This week on Nintendo Main, will Metroid Prime 4 ever come out? And we have Ross Hurstman here to talk to us about video game law. I am the piranha. We won't shop no more. sad welcome to nintendo main podcast episode 156 we are your hosts i'm trey cursed mummy johnson i'm jeremy well saving one makowski i'm john saw the sonic poster oh it's real knitter (laughs) this week on nintendo main we have a special guest the video game lawyer himself (laughs) so ross no you can't do that hersman oh yeah objection What's up, Ross? How's it going, man? It's going well. It's a cold day here in Chicago, but we're going to stay warm talking about some video games and what you can and can't do in video games. For sure. And it, yeah, if uh, anybody who's listening to this who is not from the Chicago area, yes, the the world is very, very cold right now in Chicago. Uh, I think I mentioned before last week, but there was supposed to be a Smash Brothers event tonight with a um, friend of the show, Kevin Fair. The bar that we were having that at is completely closed tonight because it's like negative 40 below outside. So I heard that they can't make make, make uh, beer deliveries because the beer is freezing. Yeah. Well, I mean, they probably just didn't open it because people aren't going to be out because you can get sick and, you know, hypothermia and all that stuff. But right. Yeah. So that's not fair. Yeah. Sorry. I had to say it. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, we were. Gonna, I was going to talk about the event tonight, but the event didn't happen. So you know, if it when it, when and if it gets rescheduled and all that, we'll let you know. Of course, talking about a casual smash event. Yeah, <laughs> it's not not there anymore. But yeah, you can no, stay it's, at home and play by yourself. Yeah, no, the yeah the weather is super ridiculous, and uh, I haven't been outside, and a lot of stuff has been closed around here. So. Chicago is colder than parts of Antarctica, which was basically what I kind of thought. When I saw it, it was negative, what, like 30? It's gotten like negative 30 there with wind chill, negative 40. Yeah, that's that's what it says it feels like on the... Uh, that ain't uh, no joke. People die, like, if you're out, like, with exposed skin for minutes and that kind of temperatures, you can do damage, so... Yeah, it says... It ain't, it ain't no joke. Yeah, it says it's a high, a high of negative 15 right now. That is that is the high outside. Has anybody been out and about in it? Have you been driving in it today, Ross or Trey? Uh, yeah, Thankfully, we... I didn't have to drive in it. Did you have um, to travel at all today? I was out there for about five minutes today. I was going through my Facebook feed. I saw a lot of people were doing this like boiling water challenge. Apparently, oh, if you boil right. water, oh. throw it in the air, it crystallizes and freezes before it hits the ground. That's not real, though, right? It is real. <laughs> it's real. It's legit. You blow bubbles, too. I guess blowing bubbles is kind of fun because it'll like fall. They'll fall really fast or they like shatter or something like that. Yeah, I've heard about that. I don't know. I always figured that that boiling water thing was bullshit, where you throw it up and it freezes. Oh, that's real. But I've seen. That's legit. I mean, seeing video of it doesn't mean it's real. They could have done I mean, some CGI using after on that shit to like make water freezing air seems like a lot of work. Yeah, but it's yeah, it's real. It's real nice outside here. That's what we're saying. What does that feel like? Like 
How long can you stand outside before your face starts to hurt? You shouldn't. I, I think it's four minutes. I heard any exposed skin yeah. at four minutes, you can get frostbite. And people, I, I think you've got 15 minutes if you're not like prepared for the weather, like 15, 20 minutes, you could just drop dead like a tauntaun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, wow. that that's what I heard too. Yeah. You're not supposed to be out with it. Yeah. Around Everything like five, is closed, like even here in Champaign. So I think I'm about, what am I about? 180 miles south of you or so Uh and um it's it's not as cold i think the lake makes it colder yeah but uh and also just you're further north but um it was so cold here that like everything was closed i went outside today one of my tires is kind of low and i have an air compressor so i like attach it to my tire and like turn it on and it's kind of slow you know it's just a little portable air compressor but like i had to like go inside Uh And just wait for the tire to inflate because my nose was starting to go numb. And I could feel like when I would breathe, it felt like all the liquid was freezing in my mouth and inside of my, yeah, inside of my nose. Yeah. It's like, what the, what the hell? It's one of those, it's one of those things like where, uh, like for somebody with facial hair, like myself, like my mustache freezes when I'm outside. Oh, when, yeah. It's really, yeah, it when it's really cold, the mustache gets cold, gets like frozen. And also you feel like every part of your body that's not like fully covered. Like my socks weren't pulled all the way up. So I could feel like I could feel it like on my ankles and yeah, it sucks. Or what, even like your pants, cats, your yeah. pants freeze sometimes too. I remember that happened to me like last year, I think. One of my cats got outside, like my neighbor came over and I have a really awesome like neighbor that lives in my uh, duplex with me, you know, on the other half. And he brought over some uh, salt melt or whatever the hell they call it, rock, it's salt. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, hey, I bought like a giant bag of this. Here's a little for you if you don't have any yet. And I'm like, hey, that's awesome, man. So while I'm talking to him, I can just see the heat in my house like radiating out. Like you could see like steam or whatever, like you could just see the heat leaving the house like physically with my eyes and as i'm like watching it i'm just kind of mesmerized as i'm talking to him and i see this heat and then my cat <laughs> zooms outside mm. so i ran outside to catch the cat i was wearing like thick wool socks but i didn't have shoes on and you know Oof. i caught the cat within like a minute the cat was just being a little asshole like trying to stay five feet away from me at all times or whatever you know but um i finally caught him brought him inside and like my feet were numb just mm. from being outside for like less than a minute with without shoes on oh yeah i bet oh. I'd, i would have like, and the cat that. and the cat was just like like shaking so hard when i put him I'll in the house do that again uh no he tried to run out again right after that <laughs> <laughs> i would have been pretty yeah i would have been freaked out like that the cat was i'm sure you were like just like oh, no was, what are you I, doing running around you're gonna freeze do, to death when, yeah right you gotta stay calm when in that situation because an animal can sense your like distress and then it freaks them out to you so i just had to like all right cool i guess i might spend the next 20 minutes trying to get this cat back in the house but yeah luckily he he was so cold i think that he just like let me grab him and it's just kind of like i said just sh- shaking pretty violently like probably he'd never felt anything that cold before except for that time i put him i'm just kidding i never put him in the freezer <laughs> the freezer is pretty uh it's probably not the freezer cold, right? is much warmer than outside yeah so it was like you got back in your house just took your foot in the freezer Ah. Yeah, I'd say the freezer is what, like 40 degrees warmer than outside? It's kind of stupid. Yeah. My my inside temperature is like 80 degrees higher than outside, and it's nuts. Yeah. What do you think about it? Yeah. That's, our, that's a weather report for uh, <laughs> for Nintendo Main Podcast for this week. But no, it's it's incredibly cold here, so it's Domain definitely is over. It's definitely worth mentioning. But Ross? Yeah? I normally ask this of all of our guests, but uh, what is your favorite Nintendo game? 
Oh, my favorite Nintendo game. So I've got to out myself here. I'm actually a Sega fanboy. Oh, okay. Well, probably. Uh, well, most of those games are on Nintendo now, so you could probably mention any not amount wrong, of them. Not wrong. <laughs> um, I think my favorite Nintendo property would probably have to be Castlevania Four Super Nintendo. Okay, that's cool. Okay, nice. I have uh, I have the soundtrack to that on record. It's uh, it's an excellent nice. soundtrack. I got the I got the album of that. But yeah, no, that game is cool. I like that. I think that's uh, probably one of the only like non Metroidvania Castlevania games that I've beaten all the way through because I'd never beat I couldn't beat one. I got all the way to the end in one, but I was able to beat four. But yeah, that game is cool. Yeah, that's what four my is awesome. definitely before they did the like Symphony of the Night Metroidvania kind of look, and uh, I think they just really perfected all the mechanics with it on the Super Nintendo. And it had that eight way whip too. I think that that's was the right. only. Isn't that the only game that had the full eight-way whip, where you can whip all different ways? Yeah, unless Rondo of Blood had it, I think that's the only one. Did it? I know uh, Castlevania with Dracula X. That one didn't have the full eight-way whip. It was just straight, like mm-hmm. you couldn't, like you couldn't whip up and down. I think it was the only one that had. I don't know. But the yeah, one, I mean, obviously it was Metroidvania, but Circle of the Moon had, like, where you could spin the whip. I don't think you could. It was a weird thing. You yeah. like spin it around. I don't think you could whip upwards, so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you could do you could spin the whip in one of the Game Boy Advance ones too, right? Where you hold it. That was Circle of the Moon, right? Oh, that's yeah, what yeah, you yeah. just Circle said. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you hold the attack button down. But I found down out eight. if I taped the button down. You can yeah, it's in like the Medusa room. <laughs> invincible. Right, so you just got the whip spinning around you and then like the the ghosts or whatever they not the Medusa heads, but like whatever those like ghosts that continuously generate. Mm-hmm. I could like leave it and leave for like a couple hours and come back and the batteries would be dead. Well, no, the, uh, I would have a bunch of experience for sure. Built in pause button right there. Yeah. And you, well, you could, yeah, that's a good way to level up without doing anything. Just, I would like to take a ball of paper it. and then yeah, wrap it up uh, with some tape over the top of it. Mm-hmm. For sure. So, uh, Ross, we were mentioned earlier, you were, you were a video game lawyer and you're also involved with, uh, independent game development, right? You, did you, did you put together that IGDA event that I was at the, the Hollywood Mixer? I did, yeah. So in addition to having a law practice and teaching a course in video game law at DePaul University, I also chair the International Game Developers Association chapter here in Chicago. Okay. So for anyone listening who might not know, or for anyone on the podcast who might not know, we're a professional networking association for folks who work in the game industry, and one of our big initiatives is promoting diversity and inclusion within games. So that means getting people involved making games as well as representations of people in games and we'd run lots of different events around chicago including a game jam around halloween where folks made uh halloween themed games from scratch over a weekend and an extra life marathon where a bunch of people played games for 24 hours to benefit a children's charity very nice oh yeah i've heard of that actually yeah yeah that's super cool yeah nice yeah we'll definitely we'll definitely go into that in more depth as our topic for this week but uh do you guys want to talk about new games right now? And anything, anything new that we like got? Stuff we bought? Or yeah. Just new games? Yeah. I got quite sure. a few games this week. I saw you. I got nothing. I saw actually you got some things on there, Jeremy. I guess it's not quite a few, but you know, it's more than I usually get in a week. Well, who wants who wants to go first? I can, I can go first. I only got one thing. So I got uh this week I got the uh, Sphinx and the Cursed Mummy. That's a re-released GameCube game, which is pretty rad. I was actually making... So I started making a list today 
of all the different games from the GameCube, PlayStation Two like generation that are on that are that are on the Switch now. And uh, I might, if I missed any, you know, email us and let us know. But so Rogue Trooper Redux, I got that one. That was a PlayStation Two Xbox game. Katamari Damacy, Sphinx and the Curse Mummy, Onimusha, Warlords, uh, Final Fantasy X and X2. That's not out yet, but Final Fantasy XII, Okami, Disgaea 1, and uh, Mega Man X7 and 8 were all like PlayStation GameCube era games that are on the Switch now. So that's pretty cool. I mean, that's it's totally become, I mean, aside from all the game collections, it's definitely become very much a virtual console machine. Yeah. So. But yeah, no, I've only I've only got to play a little bit of of the Sphinx and the Cursed Mummy. I just got to the point where uh, the kid becomes the Cursed Mummy. Spoilers. I mean, oh, spoilers. Yeah, <laughs> I just hey. uh, but I haven't been able to use the Cursed Mummy yet, so I haven't really got to do what what the game is known for, which is basically kind of like what Wario what Wario World used to do, where like you have an indestructible character that just gets damaged in different ways to mm-hmm. accomplish different puzzles. So. So it's you know it's it's been something that I've always wanted to play. I always wanted to get it on GameCube, and I never did. And it came out for twenty nine ninety nine. Just came out on Tuesday, and I was totally into it. And I think it looks great. Like you know, it's it's very much like Onimusha. You know, where it's like not really they haven't done a whole lot to it, but they've smoothed everything out, and everything is in HD now, and now it looks better. You know, it does still have, of course, most of these games has the same old school way that it is where like, you know, if you don't save and you die, you go straight to the title screen and you go back to where you, wherever you save. So you have to kind of like teach yourself the way, the way that you used to play games, you know, cause I played this game for like an hour and I never found a save point. <laughs> so I turned it off and I turned it back on and I was back at the beginning again. Cause oh, for wow. some reason I thought there was a, I thought there was an auto save because I couldn't, cause I never saw a save place in like, you know, in like almost two hours. So I was like, okay, there must just not. I'm be not a save. sure if I ever played it long enough. Myself yeah, yet. to I find the to find the first save point. Yeah, it's like a little statue that you have to save on, but I never found the statue. So I was like, oh, it must have. I was like, it must have saved because I quit, and it didn't say like, oh, you'll lose all your progress. So I thought it was okay, and then I started again, and it was from the beginning. But it's fine. I didn't. I didn't really get that far, so it didn't really bother me. But yeah, it's like it's very much of the time of GameCube. Like it's a. Like, the characters move their mouths, but there's no, like, talking, you know? So it does that. It kind of reminds me of, like, uh, what was it? Um, Skyward Sword does that really que- really creepy with uh, Fee. What was her name? Faye? You remember her? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The talking sword. Like, she does that really weird singing where she doesn't sing at all. Like, I always thought that was incredibly creepy from that game. But it kind of reminds me of that, where they just mouth their – they mouth the world's words, but there's no actual recorded dialogue in there. But, yeah, I've been playing around with that. Um I'm planning on getting Wargroove, of course, at the end of the week on Wednesday, on Friday. That game looks super cool. We talked about it last week. It's got some pretty good uh, reception so far. Oh, yeah. People are loving the shit out of the game. Well, they loved it before it even came out. But just the fact that you can make your own campaigns on there and share them online and all that is pretty – I think some people are really going to eat that shit up. Like one of our one of our uh, old uh, our guests that we had on here, Justin Vega, I'm sure he would go crazy about that stuff because I know he was yeah. really into uh, – the uh, turn-based strategy and like creating your own levels and you can create your own game on here even. So that that's kind of like almost like the RPG maker, you know, where you can just like download, download stuff and play it. So, so I'm excited as, about that. as compelling as Wargroove looks, I'm just like, Oh, I still play Mario rabbits. Like, <laughs> it's something similar to that. I still have just Jaya. Yeah. Yeah. Just whatever yeah, that yeah. I haven't really played. Yeah. I have advanced. I have two advanced war games on sure. Wii U that I barely played. Mm. I played. I did play uh, when Advance War released on 
Virtual Console for Wii, I played it all the way to the final boss or to the final level, and I just couldn't beat that level. So, and that's like most of those games. I've never beat a Fire Emblem game. I've never beat an Advance Wars game. I like I like playing them, but they eventually they get too hard for me. Like uh, like Fire Emblem, I got to the point where I didn't have enough uh, swords at the end, so they all kind of broke, and I couldn't find anybody anymore, and I died. So, yeah, those. I, as much as I like games like that, I hate games where you can kind of screw yourself over like that. I wish you could always, you should always be able to go back chapters and fix things. And you should always be able to go back moves, too. Like, that's quite why I really liked them. Um, I know I said it before in our Games of the Year stuff, but that's why I really like Valkyria Chronicles. Because if you go to the wrong place and fuck up and accidentally kill your guy, you can go rescue your guy. Like, that's not not the end of it. You can keep going. You know, you can go save your person and continue. That's why I like it. There's a little bit of leeway for you to suck in it, you know, because I'm not... I'm not that great of a chess of a chess player, but I think uh, I think that's all I got for this week. What what do you got, Jeremy? Cool. Well, I uh, as we've been mentioning for several weeks now, and probably well, even years now, I would say at this point, um, the Wii Shop Channel finally wrapped up. Yeah, today, that's so. our. Uh, I mean, that's um, yeah, that's. We'll talk about that a little more, but I had twenty five hundred points that I had added because when they originally, you know, last year, we're like, well, you have to add the money now. And then you have until this date to spend it. I ended up like just kind of, it was one of those like feet. I don't know. I barely remember it, but I just kind of like got this really strong compulsion. and like, no, I need to throw extra money on there just in case there's something else I think of between now and then Mm -hmm. that I got to buy. So I threw 25 bucks on there last year and I've been just staring at those points. You know, I don't boot up my Wii all the time, but especially lately I've been playing a lot of uh, Remington Super Slam Hunting Africa. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which I actually did beat uh, me and Sean and beat that. My friend that's been playing it with me, we beat it the other day. And uh, so that was like one little piece of news I had. Um, but anyway, uh, now that I've been playing the Wii so much more, I'm just like staring at these shot points. So I finally went in and I bought a uh, Castlevania rebirth, which kind of goes with the oh, yeah, yeah. Castlevania four we mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty cool. I like it so far. Um, Definitely, I really like that you can tweak the difficulty and the amount of lives and mm. all that. That's pretty cool that it lets you do that. So you can kind of have a – you can breeze through it if you want just for the fun of it. And then you can actually like challenge yourself too if that's what you want to do. Mm. But yeah. I don't feel – I don't know. I don't know how I exactly feel about how I spent my money because I, I, I did it today. Or was it today? No, it was yesterday. Because I didn't know if it was at midnight when it turned into – January 30th, that's when it would be canceled, or if you know you had all day January 30th as well. So I thought I had a, a time limit possibly until midnight. So I bought that, and then I had 15 bucks left after that. So I was like, well, I'm going to look and see you know, on WiiWare if there are any other shooting games because I just finished this other one. So I found another game on there called Deer Drive Legends, and I really wanted to play it because you get to hunt T-Rexes at some point. So I bought that for 500 points. Oh, and then I was like, well, I got a thousand points left. The really all I can get, I could get another one of these rebirth titles, but none of them really seemed that appealing to me. I didn't really care about Contra or uh, Gradius. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, I could get one of the strong bad games, but I don't need to do that because all the strong bad games are on Steam. If I yeah. really want to play them, they're all there. So I eventually decided to uh, get an N64 game, and I wish I would have done a little more research because it is available on the Wii U. So oh, I should have yeah. I should have picked one that wasn't on the Wii U, but I picked Pokemon Snap because I can't buy that for less than ten bucks anywhere for the N sixty four, and I really like that game, and I haven't played it for like over a decade. So 
I wanted to play Pokemon Snap again, so I bought that. Yeah, Pokemon Snap's I, good. I actually played it for a little while last night. And it's still fun. You could uh, you could even upgrade it to Wii U for what like a dollar or something. Two bucks, yeah. <laughs> if you wanted to, and then which you could... I saw right away, I was like, after I bought it, I'm like, all right, well, I don't think this ever was released on the Wii U. Yeah. And I go to the Wii U, and one of the top things listed was two dollars. <laughs> Pokemon Snap. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, needless to say, I think I did a decent job. I knocked around the idea of grabbing that Excite Bike game, but that's like an online themed game, and I didn't. Well, it wasn't going to work anymore. So I mean, uh, just just for like. Just for leaderboards, that right, right. Only, well, and to share yeah, all that, which was one of the big parts of it. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's it. I spent all my Wii money, and those are the games I have. I'd say of those three games, I've played Castlevania the most. Played a bit of the Deer game last night. Unfortunately, I don't really <laughs> like it, it that much so yeah. far. <laughs> I would, I would have guessed that it's five not as dollars. Fun as the yeah. game. But going back, why would to the they lead with game. the T Rex? If you if you have a T Rex in your game, you can hunt T Rexes. Why would you lead with Deer? I don't know. It's a secret. It's, it's strange. It's a yeah. secret that no one knows about the T Rex. You got to get to it, you know. But yeah, uh, I was gonna say something real quick about that. The, the Super Slam Hunting Africa, and then I actually bought one more game. But uh, Super Slam Hunting Africa, I beat it, or we beat it, uh, and uh, at the end, it, it, the way the interface is, there's like an arrow going between the groups of stages, and there's five groups of stages with seven levels each. We thought maybe there was a sixth level, and the way you got that was by getting like all gold coins, you know, achievements in each level or whatever. So we started. We went back to the beginning and started trying to get gold and everything. We're actually doing a pretty good job knocking that all out in the first world. And then she went home last night, and I like did some research. And the only thing I could find about this game is no one cared about this game when it came out. Uh, there were like no online reviews by any like major publications. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just all like user reviews, and they were like very scant so no one really covered this game i finally found a trailer for it on youtube and funnily enough it was hosted by ign it was on the official ign oh, wow. youtube <laughs> so i don't know if there was a period of time where companies were just like having ign or if maybe ign has some sort of like uh, ownership stake in the game itself but i thought that was strange that it was the official ign site that had the uh the uh commercial for it well in the commercial it says 35 environments which is seven level or five levels with seven each that's 35 so through that i was able to infer that there's nothing else to unlock mm. but it's just kind of funny like how much research i had to do to find this like any information about this game that was an official we release like obviously it was treated like shovelware which it probably kind of is but yeah. it's genuinely a fun light gun game and now i want more and i think i'm going to get one of the umbrella chronicles games or possibly the dead space game next and play that yeah those games are pretty uh they're pretty cheap i think you can get the umbrella chronicles for like what 10 15 bucks probably there's two of those right there's two of the resident evil shooter games yeah there's two there's the umbrella chronicles and there's dark side chronicles i think well we played umbrella chronicles we did a stream of that jeremy and i did (laughs) and that one's a pretty fun as a two-player game let me ask, like the hunting Africa one, are you like killing elephants and stuff in that? Like what? Like, yeah, what you're are you, just, like, what are you killing? killing everything. You got to kill. Um, <laughs> the only thing you can't kill are the female deer, but you shoot prairie dogs or whatever they are, uh, beer cats, mm. and you shoot geese and you shoot uh, vultures and elephants and rhinos and lions and wow. You just basically indiscriminately kill everything, and it's it's also kind of dark because it'll be like the very final level. For instance, spoilers. Sorry. 
there is a volcanic eruption and all the wildlife is like leaving the scene of, you know, the volcano like in panic. And it's like, now's our chance to kill a bunch of them. <laughs> so while they're running away in fear, you from just the shoot them. Yeah. Drift, you're just like following them in a Jeep, just nailing them. Wow. Rabbits, yeah. meerkats, vultures, rhinoceroses, the ra- rare elephants. Would you, would you ever play through it again? It's fun. You should do a let's play of it since there's no footage of it on the YouTube. In case That's anybody true, ever wants to find it, they would find yours, man. That's true. I didn't even think about that. There, Maybe I can write the first comprehensive review that major publication picks up. You could, yeah. Well, I mean, you could just write a review just because there is no review. In case anybody wanted to know what that game is, they would they would find you. you know? But it's fun. I mean, I it held my interest. Uh, we probably put at least six or seven hours into it, if not yeah. more than that, yeah. playing it. For whatever she spent on it, I think she spent like four bucks or five bucks, she said. Yeah. Totally worth it. There's a dollar an hour there. But anyway, yeah, so I spent a little more time with Zelda. I'm up to, I'm actually up to 105 shrines now, which I feel pretty good about in Breath Mm. of the Wild. So I've gotten six shrines since last week. So that's my shrine count. Yeah. I got the Blood Moon one. I got the, um, I got that last one in the Kokiri Forest that was giving me so much stress. I finally got it with the wooden armor and the wooden sword. And actually, that one was really easy with the uh, the ability to fly, whatever, uh, Revori's Gale or Revali's Gale. Oh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, the last thing I got was Fantasy Star because it was on sale. I, the, I uh, saw that you got Sega that. Ages episode. Yeah, what do you think of it? Isn't it cool? Well, that's why my uh, my name was Jeremy Well Saving One because every time you do anything in, in it, it says well, comma, like it's like, I don't know if it's being, pa- like you call that passive aggressive or if it's just being like dismissive, but it's like. All right. Well, guess I'm gonna save now. Well, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> well, you're quitting now, I guess. Like it's always like it always says well, comma. Yeah. To let you know that it's doing something. So I think it's funny every time I save. It's like, would you like to save? Yes. Well, saving. Well, on the <laughs> on, on my on my comment of like you know trying to play older games now and like relearning a way to play them. What's really cool about that one is uh, you can save whenever you want on uh, yeah. on the fantasy star so that really helps even though you know of course when you die you'll have to go back to wherever your save is but you can save whenever and uh i'm sure you have you been into any of the dungeons yet like see Not how yet. so mostly i've just spent um i've just been grinding and um i've gone to a couple of places i figured i've, I've gone everywhere on the map that i can go and uh i need a compass and i need some sort of light source so since i haven't acquired either of those things i haven't been able to oh continue you can, but I have a, but I have fought a bunch of bad guys, and I've gone to both the residential centers in the main town, and then there's that port town. I went there, explored that pretty well, and so basically I've just been like grinding for levels and money, and trying to get the best armor and weapons, and then I'm gonna hopefully figure out what to do after that. Uh, I could tell you how how to get the source of light. It's actually really easy. It's okay, not, it's not really a spoiler. You can buy it in the town. It's called Flash. You can buy it from the oh, store. Oh, that's what it is. Okay. Yeah, that's what your source of light is. And you, I didn't know what those were. It's a one-time use, but you'll get... I have like about 11 Flashes now in that game, just because you collect a lot of them in the dungeons, but... Like, once you buy one, then it lets you unlock more through... No, I mean you can buy them whenever you want at the at the shop at the shop in the in the town. But oh, but okay, you, but well, that's good to know. But you'll find. I didn't them, know what yeah. any of those things were, and I haven't bought any of those three. What yeah, they call them like a secondhand shop or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's just the flash. But you'll also you'll also get them in pre- in treasure chests, like as as you go through the the dungeons. I really like that overworld music. 
Yeah, the da, da, or no, maybe that's the inside one. I the really... overworld music has like some really cool like like at one point like the drums are really cool. And at one mm-hmm. point they like go into halftime. I don't know. There's something yeah, about yeah. that that is like it sounds like some good like metal or hardcore music like breakdown. And then I'm like, yes, this is games from '88, and it, and it sounded like so badass at the time. I bet. So you you fought some of the bosses. So you've seen like. Are you seeing what you bought? I fought monsters. I haven't fought any bosses. Yeah, not bosses. And I did, and whatever that. So there's the first person thing mm. at the very beginning where you go to get the money. So I've seen how that sort yeah. of first person thing works. Yeah, you yeah. went into that cave at the beginning because you do have to yeah. go there to get to get whatever. But uh, yeah, when you're fighting, it doesn't I just think it's cool that it had animated enemies in it for that time? You know, like in the battles, like you've seen the way they one move thing that, and all that. Yeah, one thing that's strange is that so sometimes there's more than one. I think it's implying there's more than one enemy. Because it'll show like two groups of hit points, and then they get two rounds of attacks, but it only displays one of them at a time. Yeah. Did you notice that? So yeah. it's kind of strange. So like you'll be fighting a scorpion. Sometimes a scorpion will have twenty hit point or ten hit points, whatever it is. But then next time you get to a scorpion, it shows two ten yeah. point things. Yeah, that's so it's supposed how it, to be like there's two of them, but it only shows one. Yeah, that's how it works. It only shows one character, but if you look at the hit points, it'll show how many there are there. What what I would suggest, um, since it's like an older game, it kind of works a lot like Zelda 2 does, you know, where like characters in the towns will kind of tell you some things, but it's fairly like vague, you know. What I what I did for it is I just I just found a spoiler free walkthrough. That's just like a list of things to do that doesn't mm-hmm. tell you what happens in the game. I'll probably do that eventually. That I mean, actually, for now I've yeah. just been grinding, but yeah, that actually helped me a lot because there's some things that you won't know how to do because there's like one thing where you have to ask a guy about it like three times, and I wouldn't have known to do that if I didn't look at the guide. So it's like there's some there's some things that you have to do to progress in that way. So I would say it helps, but it, it is a lot of fun to play, and I liked it. Uh, I really like the way once you get into some of the more complicated dungeons, you'll really be happy that those maps are there especially once it gets to like the multi-level ones like yeah i don't there's no way you'd be able to it was was less than five bucks i think be on sale well it's like uh, eight new so it couldn't have been it was it was like between five and six i don't remember exactly what i spent on it but it was cheap and you know i've been saying for a long time i wish i had more rpgs on my switch so it was a perfect opportunity to get a cheap rpg that has some sort of like it definitely has a lot of significance it historically and uh I do really love I love the style of it and the music and everything so far. So it's it's already getting the seal of approval from me, even though I don't understand what the hell's going on for the most part. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, what it's, was I going to say? One last thing before I before I'm done, I want to apologize for what I said about ski lifts last week. Uh, oh yeah. I was complaining lifts. about um, I was complaining a little bit about uh, what's that game called now? Dang it! Now I'm really screwing up. Uh, when ski lifts go wrong, mm-hmm. uh, whatever was going on with my issue was related to the TV itself because I ended up uh, using it on a different TV in my house and the resolution was perfect. Nothing was cut off on the edges of the screen. Game is fully playable. It's fun. I've played it a lot since then. Um, I really like it. So it's a solid game. And I went from saying I can't recommend it to I definitely recommend it now. Mm. I was looking at it. I wonder if it's still on sale because I want to get it. I will say so, John. I will say um, it's the kind of game that's like got so much creative, creative elements to it, and like that you can approach the problem however you want. That some people might find that boring because it's kind of dry for that reason. But if you like just creating like structures and seeing how the physics of it all works and enjoying yeah. the like the mayhem that ensues when you do things wrong, 
it's enjoyable like in that regard. physics physics based puzzle puzzlers or very... physics are like the point is the physics are hilarious so like you know octodad and um it's got a little octodad but for sure yeah say when they fall headfirst into the trash cans it's very octodad mm. and when they like slide down the hill and they leave a trail of blood behind them it's it's awesome i like trails of blood <laughs> don't we all did you ever and play it's cool because in subsequent like runs the blood stays there so if you just keep messing up like eventually the whole screen just covered in blood nice. I, I think the sale was only like a couple dollars though so i mean and it's already it's, like five bucks. it's already not very i think the sale was like two dollars actually so like it's it's not really that expensive of a game it's like because what is it like 15 or 12 like new I think it was fifteen new, but I, I think got it was fifteen, but it was marked down to like five. No, I don't. I, I don't think it was marked down that much. I don't I, think it was marked down that much, but between my gold points and and whatever the sale was, I think I paid less than ten for it. Maybe that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I was going to use my gold points. Yeah, I'm gonna. I was planning on using my gold points on a war groove, so it'll be less than ten, even though it's twenty. But yeah, no, I'm glad you. I'm glad you figured out the right way to play it and all that. Uh, yeah. Sorry, sorry to any of the developers. I've had a very video list. game. <laughs> full week because of how cold it is Go, getting back to that and just i've just been like i don't know every once in a while i just get on a kick where i just play games in every spare mm. moment i have and that's been this week all right nice that's always a good time did you did you play any of the fantasy star games ross i did yeah it's been oh geez it's been probably 15 years since i dived into them but i always thought that was a cool franchise mm-hmm yeah, and I was wondering. Uh, that was actually. Yeah, I know you're saying you were big into Sega, but uh, yeah, I like those. I like those games. And did, do you have a Switch, Ross? I don't actually. Oh wow. Do you? Uh, are you just? Off, I was. Uh, I was waiting for Killer Queen Black to be the exclusive title. Oh, that yeah. Brought me uh. it turns out it's going to be on Steam now. So I was like, oh. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever happened to that? Like, I, I remember we didn't really. Like I remember, it was in a Nindy's direct or something, and then we never heard anything about it. It keeps getting pushed back. Yeah, yeah, so, I think they're pushing it. I I remember it was going to be winter 2018, and then they're talking spring 2019, which is now. So I'm guessing maybe summer for mass release. I know yeah. Switch; it's getting delayed a little more than PC. I think. Well, yeah, that was one that looked interesting, but I just kind of forgot about it because I didn't really say anything about it. But that's the same thing that happened to Wargroove. It like completely disappeared, and then all of a sudden it was like, oh yeah, it's coming out next week. I was like, okay, you know. So you never know with those games; they kind of just they give you time, and then they disappear, and then they come back, which is something we're going to talk about in a minute. But yeah, no, there were there were a couple other games that I was playing that I that I didn't get. Uh, I played Resident Evil Two on Nintendo sixty four, which is uh, which I played that for. I was just uh, I guessed it on the Gaming Outsider podcast, which. Uh, which which I was just um we just had Scott on last week to talk about uh Zelda and uh Travis Strikes Again and all that. Which uh speaking of speaking of what you were talking about with uh ski lifts, Jeremy, I still stand by the where I stood on Travis Strikes Again. But I did boot it up the other day to uh try to get one of the songs off of there for last week's episode. And they had updated the game to where now it has an intro with a Killer Seven character in it. So Oh, cool. That's kind of cool. I mean, I really like Killer Seven. It doesn't make the game any better to me, but in, in the very beginning, it shows like the the bad. What is it, Batman? It shows him getting getting asked to kill Travis by like uh, one of the Smiths. I think it was like I forget which Smith it is, but the, the main the main Smith guy of of the Killer Seven is uh, there, and it looks like it looks very much like Killer Seven. A little tie-in. Yeah. So I mean, 
they're pulling all the strings here. <laughs> they're like, well, we'll show all our better stuff in here. So they, they did add that on there. But as far as like other games I've been playing, like I said, I played Resident Evil 2. I wanted to get some somewhat familiar with the old game before I tried the new game because you could play a demo of it on, on uh, PS4 and all that. And I think it still looks it still looks pretty good. I think the actual gameplay looks pretty nice. The the cutscenes are really low quality. You know, they they're like a hundred p or something like that. It's like watching YouTube when you have no phone signal. It's kind of what it looks like. But <laughs> but I don't but I don't remember uh, FMV really looking that great at that time. So I think it was just a little bit stepped down from PS One. But but it's still fun to play. Um, I turned up the violence all the way so. So you can kill zombies and their arms like will stay on you for a minute, which is pretty funny. <laughs> like when cool. they're when they're reaching out for you, one of them will grab your shoulder and you shoot it and its arm will break off and its arm will still be stuck to your shoulder. I didn't know they did that stuff like all the way back in 64 times. That's a nice okay. little uh, that's, that's a nice thing in there. But yeah, I did a, I did a stream of it just because I couldn't afford the other Resident Evil game. And I was like, fuck it, I'll play the 64 Resident Evil 2. And I think it's still fun. Hey, to play. I already own it. Yeah. So I was like, I already got that. So I was playing that. I'm really, really close to beating Horizon Chase Turbo, that uh, my number nine favorite game of last year for the Switch. But um, and I just realized I put over I put over ten hours into that game into a racing game, which is pretty awesome. But I'm on the very last race. Well, I have to. You have to unlock a certain amount of points to unlock certain things, and I'm still. I think I'm like a hundred points away from unlocking the final race. So. I'm very close to finishing it. I really wanted to finish all the games that were on my list from last year of all my favorites. And I figured that one and Fantasy Star were probably the ones that I could crank out first. So I've kind of been going between both of those. Just playing, just kind of flipping from one to another, playing back and forth. And then, of course, I was playing like Onimusha. And then I'm now I'm playing like Sphinx and the Cursed Mummy and all that. So there's a lot of stuff to play on the Switch other than uh, yes. other than um, Killer Queen Black. So you should get one, Ross. <laughs> I'm sure I'll be there pretty soon. I've got plans to already mod it to the Atomic Purple when I finally get around to having. Oh, okay. Oh, nice. That'd, that'd be like cool. the original. Yeah, that's a good color. Have you? Uh, did you pick any games up this week, uh, Ross? Doesn't have to be Nintendo stuff. What was I playing today? I had some time with the cold today to dive into some things. So something I've been spending some hours on this week was the Spyro the Dragon Reignited trilogy. Okay, yeah, a lot of people have been talking about that. Cool. I've enjoyed back to the well with that one uh definitely enjoy the crisp clean look of the of the new graphics a lot of the physics remain the same one of the things i had a problem with was that they did update the voice acting uh, which is not to say that the new voice acting isn't good it's it's fantastic but i do miss some of the original uh some of the original voice acting from the first game in particular one of the dragons like had a really old man kind of voice that i really (laughs) got into as a kid and i was kind of looking forward to hear it again and it was gone I wonder uh, why did they update the voices? That seems kind of unnecessary. They made a couple interesting choices. Uh, like there was one character who didn't have any speaking voice, and then they gave him a voice, but then they also pulled his subtitles off, and then they didn't offer subtitle support for the game at all. Yeah. Like that seemed like a weird choice to me. That weird. Is weird. Like what is it? Uh, Onimusha. They recorded all their voices too for Onimusha Warlords. They read redid read it all the voiceover for that. I don't know why. Maybe it was bad at the time, but they do do that. So it was interesting. It was just kind of an odd choice. I wonder if it has, if there's anything like paying the people that were originally. That could be it too. Something like that. Like some uh, copyright, whatever. uh, I don't know. Some sort of contract. Maybe they have higher rates now and it's cheaper just to redo it. That could be a factor. Um, that could be part of it. It was just kind of weird that it was inconsistent that way. Mm-hmm. I haven't gotten a chance to get into the 
uh, second and third game on the trilogy yet, but I'll let you know if they changed those as well. Sure. Yeah, that's cool. That That's something that a lot of people have been really asking for Switch, too, is the Spyro one, because we got the Crash one. I'd rather It'll play it. will We'll I'd probably r- see it a year from now. <laughs> I'd rather play the Spyro one than the Crash one. I really don't think the Crash games are all that fun, so... Send send us an email if you guys disagree, but <laughs> I think the Spyro ones look more interesting than the Crash. Crash is kind of not a great series. Aside from the racing game, the game's fun. I think if the price is right on either of those, I'll grab them at some point, though. I mean, on Crash or Crash they're just supposed even? to be unbridled, old school platforming fun, then I'm cool with that. Have you ever played a Crash game? Crash even if it's a little flawed, yeah, they're. I mean, they're all right. Mm, yeah, they're I, kind of mindless arcadey games, but. They have their time and place, I guess. That's just I didn't... Exactly. Yeah, I think they're really good for what they were. It was a time when platformers were transitioning from 2D to 3D, and I don't think a lot of devs quite knew what a game that embraced 3D platforming looked like yet. So, like, Crash and Spyro are two of those games. They're, like, they're always packaged together, and I think it's because they're from that same time where they were trying to figure out those same mechanics. But Spyro was at least, like, more 3D. Like, I didn't like the way, like... Crash, you were like constantly running at the camera. Like I always thought that was, was linear. I know there mm-hmm. were other. It was very linear, yeah, for sure. And there were some side-scrolling parts, but a lot of it was just like, why? It was like, why did you do the camera angle like that? But I don't know. It was, and I and I uh, they they like put them out all for free on PlayStation Plus a few years ago. So I did play all of them. Like they did a whole Crash bundle, and that's how I discovered Crash Team Racing, which I ended up loving. But uh, yeah, those are the ones I really just couldn't get into. But uh, have you been playing anything this week, John? I'm sure you played Smash Bros. Of course, we all have. Right? Yeah, I played Smash Brothers. Obviously, brought a plant. Um, I went back to Rocket League after about almost two months off of Rocket League. Wow. So, yeah. Was it uh, a lot different? Did everybody get way better now? So you can't. You I was can't unranked win. now. Now, so I had to. I still have to work my way back up to actually get ranked. But uh, yeah, I just uh, I don't know. I, I've been I've had a busy couple of months. And so I, I, I was off Rocket League, and then Smash came out, and uh, yeah. yeah, so that's what I've been doing. And then I got a new job, so yeah, enjoying doing that. Yeah, yeah. And you, we, right now. and you were traveling also, like that's why you missed out on last week's episode. Yeah, because you got yeah. Stuck I went back for the movie, and uh, went back to Michigan. Um, that's uh, kind of leads into what I said for my name. Uh, I saw when I was at one of the movie theaters where my movie was playing at, they had the Sonic poster mm. for the actual Sonic movie. Yeah, the, the ugly poster leg- we've all hoped was a fake. The movie. ugly leg one. It's real. Yeah, I can confirm saw. it's actually real. And uh, yeah, I had a conversation with one of the movie theater employees there who was a Sonic fan. And he was like, yeah, I don't know what they're thinking, man. Like these long spindly <laughs> legs. And it's like, no. Yeah. The first thing I think of when yeah, you say that you. Chili dogs. The the first thing I think of when you say you had a conversation with the theater person, I thought you were like, "Can you please take down that poster? It's offensive, <laughs> right? And, uh, this is offensive. Nobody yeah. likes it. <laughs> please get rid of it." Hey, what do you guys do with those posters? You know, once the movies come through, can you burn it? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> can you just take it down and not show that movie here, please? Because uh, those legs are just weird looking. I don't, I don't like it. Yeah, and and Sonic having a movie is about as as about <laughs> as good of an idea as Sonic having an RPG. Like that, they, you remember that one that Bioware did? It's like the same. Oh yeah, and Game it's Boy. Like, it's like the same bad idea. Or DS. I think it was a DS yeah. game. Maybe it was Game Boy. Advance. You know that if that, the... that studio is so bad with legs, maybe they should have done a Rayman game instead. A Rayman movie. <laughs> yeah, with with no legs. <laughs> or Vector Man or something. Mm-hmm. Well, do you guys want to jump to news then? Uh, I did have one sure. other one quick thing I wanted to say. Like that's 
kind of aside, but it's still gaming related. Um, something I actually found today that I thought was really cool, and some of our listeners might be interested in. Uh, so we all we we always talk about how great Celeste is and how good the music is in Celeste, and I think that's pretty much a mainstream thing now. Everyone kind of agrees that mm-hmm. game has a wonderful soundtrack, but. Uh, Lena Rain has a blog that I discovered because she posted something about how she should put, she said like, I should post something on my blog about the percussion in the songs I write because the one I did about synths was so popular. I'm like, wait, what does that mean? Yeah. I'm like, where's your blog? And I couldn't find it, but I found it. It's on medium.com. I basically just had to go through her Twitter page a little bit and found a link mm-hmm. to it. So I went there and it was so cool. It's a, uh, it's all about like, how she wrote the music for resurrections and scattered and lost, which are the two yeah. like, hotel, the hotel songs, uh, which are like my favorite. And she's like, yeah, that's everybody's favorites. But uh, basically goes through and it like talks about how she incorporated the rhythm into the music and what she used to do that. And as she's doing it, she posts like these SoundCloud links and they're like, basically like ex- exhibits in a PowerPoint presentation. Like you like play it and then you go underneath it and read it and it's numbered out for each section of the song. It's like, here I did this mm-hmm. and then I layered this on top of it. And it was really cool. Like I didn't think I would be as interested in it once I got into it as I was like, because of how she presented it, it was really cool. Like explaining how those that like, especially that really cool drum fill that's in the one, you know, when it like starts to come up and it's like, like the drums are all over the place. Yeah. Seeing that like broken down and how she like plugged that in and how she like used some samples and did some like distortion on it and all this other stuff like just seeing the behind the scenes of that was really fascinating. So if you're into music or video game composition or anything like that at all, I highly recommend checking out uh, Lana Rain's blog, Lana Rain. Yeah, is it kind of like a? Awesome it like shows like the steps as you go into the song it's like here is what it is when i started and here's kind of that in the powerpoint really show like uh the software being used or anything like she says she uses ableton which is like what like everybody uses Mm -hmm. in skinistry but um basically she's just like yeah i bought this sound pack so she explains where she got the sounds and like where but it's there aren't like screenshots of the actual program it's just these soundcloud files that are like so i started out with this sample and then this is how i altered it and this is what i added and, you know, this is how I distorted the sound to make it fit more with the tone of the other instruments. So, you know, it's like definitely some advanced music stuff that I don't completely understand, but it's still really fascinating. And if you have any interest in programming electronic music, I think it's a cool little resource to, to look at. For sure. Yeah. No, she's got some really good stuff. Yeah, that's cool. I didn't know, didn't know she had a blog to look that up. So it's on, yeah, Medium is the name of the site. But if you if you follow her on Twitter... It's, I think it's in her pinned post mm-hmm. at the top. It gives a link to her blog. All right. So uh, let's talk the news real quick. Here is the news. I promise you it's the news. All right. So I'll, I'll do like the quick ones first. There's some like three big ones that we're going to talk about. So here's one is, I don't know if this is true or not. I found it. I mean, I found it on Twitter, but have you heard about this Fortnite glitch, Jeremy? Involving uh-uh. Involving the, so apparently somebody was saying that because Fortnite runs at a lower frame per second than other versions on the on the Switch, they haven't been able to shoot people as quick or whatever, so they haven't been able to play as well. Like this is an article uh-huh. that I found on Twitter, and uh, I don't know if that's true, but I mean, it also sounds like kind of a you know way to explain why you're bad at the game. It's like, yeah. well, well, you know, uh, it runs slower on Switch, and that's why I couldn't shoot that well, guy. Well, was the article you know? written by a like, twelve year old kid? Yeah. You know. <laughs> 
a good place to start. I don't know. It was just something I found that I thought was interesting. That just you know, it's like okay. Well, I one. believe it. I mean, there's got to be some like inconsistencies between the different platforms. And then yeah. you know, you go to someone who's like running it on PC or whatever, and they've got like all this power at their disposable disposal that wouldn't be in a c- console. You know, you think, well, are they like somehow getting a better experience out of it because of that? Even though they're playing me on my you know, potato with a screen attached to it. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, that's just saying that like the, I think they were saying that they hadn't quite figured out the um, cross play yet, that it wasn't quite working right, I guess in the long run. But yeah, next time you lose it, switch just to make that uh, your excuse. Just be like, Hey, uh, it's a bullet. It was like the bullet glitch is what they said. Actually, I've been performing pretty well considering (laughs) the frame rate is lower. Considering the accuracy as a result is greatly reduced. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another quick news thing. Uh, I saw that Labo was getting cut in half uh, price wise. So they were selling Labo sets for $40 at Best Buy. I saw so, that too, really? but I don't know if that was a closeout thing or if that's just a sale. I think it's a do. sale, but it's still a sale worth mentioning because forty dollars is pretty cool. Like if anybody's on the fence about Labo and wanted to check it out, but not for eighty dollars. Yeah, I'm still not like sold on the steering wheel thing, but the robot costume is still kind of cool. Even though <laughs> I'm sure it would only yeah. entertain me for twenty minutes and then I'd be over. Yeah, it. the robot costume is just too large for me. It's just too gigantic and it's too ridiculous. ridiculous. Like. Yeah. I'm already like I still have my Labo stuff on the top here, and it's mm. just like a pile of it just looks like a pile of junk on top. I mean, it's cool knowing what it is, but if someone just walked in here, they'd be like, "Why hey. you got all those Amazon boxes up there?" <laughs> I mean, I mean, my my Labo cardboard is like just buried under my TV, like in the TV stand, so it's not really doing a whole lot right now. I don't even see it anymore. But I mean, you wouldn't I, do it for forty bucks. I mean, I, I, I don't, I wouldn't get that robot suit. That robot suit is too ridiculous. I don't really see myself having any fun with it. The only thing I would do is like maybe the vehicle one, but I, but did, but then I would want to use it on Mario Kart, which I don't have. I mean, I guess I could try to play Horizon Chase Turbo with it, but it's probably not going to be a good way to play that game because the game is so quick and you need to be, you need, you really need a controller. It's like the same thing as trying to play Mario Kart with motion controls. I just don't mm. think it would work right because you need to be – the levels are incredibly fast in that game and you really need to be – really need to know, know what you're doing, you know, and uh, I don't know. But, yeah, I don't think I'll – I think I have enough cardboard for now. I <laughs> don't need another Labo. But that's still an interesting sale for anybody who's on the fence. You know, you I mean, as far out. as like, you know, earlier I was talking about the virtue of two-player two games in the sense that I played all the way through that one week game that I probably never would have played, but – um yeah that i'd say my experience with building the labo with somebody else was pretty fun so the experience itself you may be able to apply some monetary value to that but i still don't know about 40 bucks for either of those things like that main kit that had all the projects in it that was more in line with what i think i hoped the whole series would be like but so far it's two like peripheral things and then one magic set like the the multi set mm-hmm. they need to release another multi set you know that's kind of what i'm saying if they're going to continue the labo line which i don't know if they are cuz you can't exactly buy the tape by itself like they promised you could yeah there's still that extra stuff to fix the labo that hasn't come around don't know what's happening yeah. with that uh what about the uh, 
what's it called? Onigiri, that RPG that just showed up. Oh, it's an MMO, it's like, actually. I just downloaded it. Yeah, it's free. We, sh- we should it? we should mess around with it at some point. Like maybe we can screw around with it on Friday. How or long did it take to download? Was it a pretty small or pretty big file? I think it's kind of a big file because it did take a minute. Like it, it like just finished downloading, and I think I started when we started doing this, so it might have taken me like a half hour or so. The only reason I mentioned it, I, I didn't know for sure if I download. I'll probably download it and give it a try. Mm-hmm. But it's it's definitely emphasized in the description that no on like you don't need a subscription to Nintendo Online to play it. So they're being like Fortnite and circumventing like mm, yeah. Nintendo is trying to make like a backbone of their online structure. They're like, nope, don't need that. Yeah, from from we what want I... you, we want your money, so we circumvented <laughs> it. Well, from what I understand, all the free to play stuff you don't need the Nintendo Online service for. So like Which that know, makes a lot of sense because yeah, if you're going to make a free to pay game, you know a premium, yeah, yeah, you got to pay something on top of it. Hmm. Well, I mean that's that kind of like kills their strategy where they want everything to be free to play. You shouldn't have yeah. to like pay for an online service on top of that. And plus, Nintendo's online service isn't that great. But I saw that they were hiring more people <laughs> to try to fix it. So hopefully, it's going to get fixed at some point. But man, I don't know. But uh, yeah, speaking of stuff. What was it? I mean, yeah, that that got released today. I think the I think I mentioned the big ones for the release weeks for the for this week. The big releases that I that I recommend, of course, is like Wargroove and uh, Dragon Mark for Death comes out. I don't know what that is, but wasn't that the wasn't that the Xbox one that got re released? I don't know. There's two different versions of it, but the two that I recommend, like for our lock of the week or whatever, is uh, Wargroove and Sphinx. You know, Wargroove seems to be getting a lot of good reviews. So Sphinx has gotten good reviews too. I, I just checked one out just to make sure. So it's that's... also one of the first times we've seen a GameCube game on the Switch. So yeah, it's not a true GameCube Virtual Console release, but it's kind of cool that, like you were saying earlier, that these games are seeing the light of day on Switch. And of course, if you wanted to, you could play them with your GameCube controller. Because the, game, because the GameCube adapter does work on everything now, so that's pretty... I haven't tried it yet. I really haven't played anything with the GameCube controller, aside from, like, Tyco and... Uh, <laughs> and you tried uh, Smash with it, didn't you? I, no, I, no, I played Smash with it, actually. When I started, I only played with the GameCube controller. But just eventually, I just started doing it with Pro Controller, because it was easier, you know? Because Pro Controller, you know, you got your you can do your uh, menu and all that. And uh, I, think, I think that's all I have. Well, I mean, I guess there's another small news thing real quick. Apparently, uh, do you want to do this one, John, with the the deadline Resident Evil? Oh show? yeah, there's a Resident Evil Netflix series coming out. Apparently, yeah. according to Deadline. Yeah, according to Deadline. A year, which they heard. A year. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't. I don't think the article was written very well because the guy who wrote it said "I hear" like about four times. But he never heard a guy muttering to himself in the bathroom stall. Yeah, well, it sounds right. like a, I was uh, at a I was at a cafe in L.A. and I was sitting next to a guy that said like, "Hey, we should do a Netflix." Uh, <laughs> Resident Evil show, but apparently it's it, they're thinking about maybe having it in the same umbrella. Get it uh, as uh, as those shitty movies that uh, that Weasel shit made. So maybe we shouldn't. Uh, Weasel shit is what I call was what I always yeah. called Paul W S Anderson. I'm sorry if you're listening, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'd, 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 as long, yeah. I hope that if they do it, they start fresh. And I really wish, right. honestly, if but you I want, liked Magnolia, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, that was that was dude. Different. Going live action or are they going to go animated? I think it's live action. I really wish they would go animated. Like the only, re- I don't know if you guys ever saw it. I forget what it was called, but there was a Japanese uh, CGI animated Resident Evil movie with Leon in it. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. That one was I, cool. I, I, I liked that, that movie. Called. 
was like at an airport or something. Yeah, yeah. It was. I can't remember what it was called offhand, but that was cool. I enjoyed that. I would. They should do an anime out of it. Like do it like a Castlevania or something. That would be cool. I think you could make it. That's what I'm thinking. Like yeah. that would make sense if they just kind of went to that well and tried to repeat that success again. Yeah, that's what I would go for in that way. But you know, who knows? I mean, they they could they could make it cool, or they could make The Walking Dead. I mean, who knows? You know. So. Degeneration is the name of the movie. Yeah, Degeneration. Resident Evil Degeneration, if you haven't seen it, look at that one. That one was a lot of fun. Yeah. So they're going to, it's made by the same companies who did the movies, but it does sound like they're at least going to reboot it from the top. So mm. it has that going for it. But at the same time, it's like those movies made over a billion dollars. Yeah. So I, I think they're going to skew towards making it somewhat like the successful billion dollar movie property. I know. That's I mean, a shame. Also, Netflix just likes to throw money at things it seems like <laughs> so they're yep. probably just going to be like sure do what you want to do with it yeah probably i don't know I just mean, generate that same revenue for us i mean there's a lot of dumb people out there and they watch a lot of crap so that's what i that's when i explain the with all the money that resident evil one i mean then people get people horror that, series not an action series i mean people go to see uh those transformer movies too and those are pretty awful so I mean, I'm just saying those big budget mean... movies. You know, generally, oh, I don't know if how big budget the Resident Evil movies are, but they usually are. Like, you know, there's a gamble and there's an algorithm for what they're putting into the movie versus what they're hoping to get back out of it. And so, yeah. they I... must have known their target audience would would eat it up with based on you know what Mila Jovovich. She's a pretty popular mm-hmm. actor. Yeah. I think she had a lot to do with the appeal for it, especially with the the demographic of who is going to go see it, like kids and teenagers and young adults. Well, I don't think I don't think that the I wouldn't say that they were multi million dollar budgets, but I think that they found the perfect equation to where like they the amount that they made it for they would always make more than that. So they were bankable, as they would say, you know, in the right. in the movie right. industry. So yeah, I mean, but yeah, I mean, I hope you know it could be good. I don't know, like any like any Netflix show, it's kind of like I don't know. It could be cool. Cool. It could not be cool. I mean, and they could get to see, you know, it have like a trial run of four episodes and be shitty, and then you never see any more of it. Or, or it could have one season that's okay, and they ordered a second, and then it's done. You know, ne- yeah. Netflix has become kind of predictable in that regard. Like, either, either it's going to keep going for like six seasons, or it's going to be done after the first season. For sure. All right, we're going to take a real quick break. We'll be right back. <laughs> topics here um let's let's just go with the, the let's go with the bad news first and actually we've got two bad news things but let's do the bad news first so nintendo released a video telling everyone about what has happened to metroid prime 4 so um, bizarre yeah i mean i mean it's actually cool that they actually told us but it's just so basically what happened if you didn't hear um metroid prime 4 which was being developed not by retro studios is being developed by band by uh namco bandai right 
Mm-hmm. And uh, whatever that. Did they ever say which studio it was? Or no? I believe it was. Yeah, Na- it was I believe it was Ninja Bandai. Gaten, the Ninja Gaiden Studio, right? Yeah, it was the Namco Bandai. The same guys that worked on Smash Brothers with them. So they already mm-hmm. had a relationship with them. So, but it was. But at the same time, I don't know how many first-person shooters they've done, if any. So it was kind of a weird choice. But I don't know. More power to them. But apparently, so the president of Nintendo made a video, put it up, said uh, that they that whatever was happening with that game, they decided to completely destroy. Like, yep. they're killing that project, and they're giving the game to Retro Studios now to make Metroid Prime 4. It was a really, really weird move. Um, I don't know. What, what I really want to know is, what was Retro Studios doing for, like, five years? Like, they haven't made a game since... 2014 was uh, was um, Tropical Freeze, uh, Don- uh, Diddy- or Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. I'm pretty sure they weren't spending all of their time porting it to Switch. Like I'm sure that wasn't even them. I'm sure they put that to a different port company. What if? So what if there was some? Because I I've posited other theories, and I like I like my you know just making random crackpot theories. But uh, um, what if? So what if Retro was for some reason or another Nintendo and them had a falling out we don't know about. And uh, they were working on something else this whole time, and Nintendo decided to go with the other company because they had to or whatever. But like, they found out somehow that whatever Retro is working on can be turned into a Metroid game. Yeah, that does like, kind of it, like it's already a work in progress. Maybe so. It does kind of sound like a Nintendo though. idea, but they did also they they hinted that they said that the game probably won't release until 2022, though. I mean, oh the Switch may be gone by then. Like, they they said that they weren't expecting it to release anytime soon. So, I really, I mean... 2022? Yeah, 2022. So, that would be... So, that's like three years from now. So, that means how that... They work, how long did they work on Corruption? Because Corruption was a great game, and I don't think they worked more than a year or two on that game. Between, between Prime and Corruption? Mm-hmm. That still was also based on... Between Prime 2 the, and Corruption. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the assets of the other games, so it's understandable why that could be a quicker. Yeah, but they did. Yeah, but actually, actually, why couldn't they take those a- those assets and work with them? I mean, actually, to or their credit, quick. to their credit, they did actually. Um, they rebuilt all of the polygons for each game. Like they didn't reuse the models and all that. They were actually different models oh, for for, okay. each, for each game. I do remember them saying that in an interview, which I believe them. They do look different. Like the like the, I mean, they don't look like completely different. Like it's a whole different thing, but it looks. If you look into it, it looks different between the two of them. But Metroid Prime 2 was released in 2004. So What, four years before? So I so, guess it was like 2008 when... It was three years, yeah. Cause, 2007? Because uh, okay. Metroid Prime 3 was released... Uh, yeah, it was 2007. Well, shoot, if they're starting now, so, yeah. 2022 does make sense. Yeah, so it? there was three-year development between 2 and 3. Dang. So I mean, and between one and two, right? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. Well, two was uh, two was like two thousand two, I think. So maybe it well, was. No, or I mean, was one was one was two thousand two. One was two thousand two. Yeah, <laughs> two was two thousand four. Yeah, so between, it was before the Wii came out. Yeah, so between two and between Prime one and two, that was two years. So I mean, that feels like they're starting from scratch on this, and I think they said in the video too that they're starting from scratch on this yep, one. So. That's kind of weird. I'm wondering if I mean it's weird, but it's better than a really bad, you know, not another other M, please. Mm. Thanks. Hey, you know what? I liked other M, and I, and I'm, I'll play other really? M again sometime. Yeah, I didn't think it was really? that bad. Yeah. You don't talk about it that much. I really don't, I don't but think I did you like it that much. <laughs> 
Well, I haven't played it in a while, but I do. You don't have bring it. it up when we talk about Metroid very often. Well, no, because I like Prime better, but I mean, I don't think it was awful. And all the other Metroid games, even even <laughs> Federation Force, seems like you like that more than Hunter or I'd, more than uh, Other M. Yeah, but I, I didn't hate Other M. I enjoyed it. I played all the way through. I didn't play I didn't. Federation Force all the way through because because there was no uh, online people yeah. to play with me, so I couldn't beat it. But <laughs> but I liked it better than uh, most people did. But I, I'm hoping that this maybe you know. Leads to... I wonder if Nintendo like got that. I wonder if that bad taste in their mouth from uh, the online petition of Federation Force. You remember they were petitioning mm-hmm. to not have it released. Like, yeah, please that was just mean. don't release this game. I wonder if that's like made them super like. You know, it's almost like the Sakurai damage control for uh, yeah. Smash Brothers. Like, yeah. I wonder if it's a similar situation where they're like, "All right, we got to get a hold of the internet fury here yeah. and just say, fuck it, we're not making this game." But it has. We're gonna get. It had to have been bad then, right? Like, I really want. I know we'll never it see had it. Been bad. I know we'll never it's see it, but I want shots wanna... on Metroid. Who's yeah. the Who's the head of Metroid? I thought it was a uh, what was it? Um, it's not Hip Tanaka. It's a uh, he's music guy. What is it? Um, Sakamoto isn't isn't he the guy that's doing it now? I think. Yeah, I don't know. He worked it's on. It's not uh, Miyamoto. It's not his. No, name. but but Miyamoto did have a hand in. Uh, prime like he was on for that so i mean i guess well i just i just looked at it so because i mean it's probably whoever that is that made the call that this isn't up to snuff this isn't what we want for to brand and as part of the metroid prime series you know i, I think Maybe it was that a game could still be released as something else at some point it was i guess uh maybe Kens, kensuke uh tanabe maybe he might have been him because they were one of the, it was like Miyamoto, Tanabe, Kenji Miki, and uh, Akiri Otani were all the producers on the first one. But I do know they had a hand in, they did go to Retro Studios to oversee it. So at least Miyamoto did. So I don't know. But I, I would really like to see that footage. I know we never will see the footage, but I would have loved to see the Metroid Prime 4 footage. But does this mean that, I know there's no evidence, technical evidence out there aside from hearsay, but does that mean that maybe we'll get a trilogy or... I mean, I think that we'll definitely see a sequel to Metroid, the, to uh, Samus Returns, because that was already hinted at at the end of Samus Returns. And the, and the developers... Right, you think they'll, they'll remake Super Metroid on uh, 3DS? No, I think they'll remake Fusion. Like, that's what they... Because that's what... Uh, spoilers. Oh. Sorry, spoilers, you didn't beat uh, Samus that's Returns. Okay. But at the end of Samus Returns, you see the X, whatever it is, the, the, the X-Parasite. X-Parasite. Yeah, it shows up <laughs> at the very end of the game. So I kind of hinted at that they wanted to do fusion. And I think originally they wanted to remake fusion before, before that one. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we see that. I mean, I don't expect it to be a 3ds game. It should be, it should be a switch game, but it would be really cool if they could release in the meantime, they could release a Metroid prime, maybe re-release Metroid prime trilogy or a 2d Metroid in the time that we're waiting, you know, that'd be, that would help. That would help it not hurt as much, you know. I could see them throwing the trilogy our way to like satiate the masses, but yeah. I mean, there's rumors. As far as like a remake, you're probably right. It would. It's more likely that if they do another Metroid remake, it's coming to Switch. It's not going to the 3DS. Mm-hmm. 3DS is is just floating along with what it's got nowadays. Yeah, I, don't, I doubt that they'll. I mean, I mean, at E3 we'll. I mean, we never that. talk about the 3DS hardly ever on the podcast anymore. I really don't. I mean, the last thing I. The thing I, I the only thing I really play on it is uh, Dragon Quest. I mean, that's the only games I've returned to on there. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I like Metroid. I'd like to see something from it, but it's a shame that they had to. Had I wonder to close, now if this version of Metroid Prime Four will be like 
the new Metroid Dread, like <laughs> one that people are like, oh, can we see it? Can we see it? No, and then it never comes out. Yeah. Metroid Dread, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, Metroid Dread. Yeah, that was their like, yeah. Dang. Yeah, and 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 you, there's like rumors out there. They very much sound like my dad works at Nintendo, but people are like, uh, we, we've heard that the trilogy is already finished and they haven't released it yet. You know. Well, I mean, it is finished, but it hasn't been converted to Switch. Yeah, well, of course it's finished. Yeah, it's been finished for years. I don't know, but yeah, that's the big Metroid news. Of course, we got to talk about. And that's sad, yeah. but it's also happy by the same token because yeah. we almost got delivered a steaming pile of Metroid poo. Yeah, we got a, a steaming pile of uh, X parasites. But also, we we hinted at it early in the show, but the Wii Shop is officially closed, and. Uh, you were saying that the Netflix and YouTube is gone too, right, John? There's nothing left. Yeah, I tried it about four o'clock this afternoon. See, yeah. I thought I had read something a while back that that support. I thought that supported it a while ago. Have you tried either of those things recently? No, not recently. In fact, I just fired up the Wii for the first time, and I don't know. Three I years thought a lot of today. that. I thought the Netflix officially like died on Wii a while back. I think I remember people making a deal about it. Online. I thought it was officially going away in January as well. Like so, I thought it was. Di- I thought oh. it died out this month. Also, the Netflix did. I'm just going I by tried... what I vaguely remember in my brain. Here, I think we uh, mentioned, was, think we mentioned it, it was in a bunch of the releases that. Oh, by the way, the video services is all, are also mm-hmm. going. So maybe it was referring to Hulu or something. But I tried YouTube. And YouTube doesn't work anymore. Yeah, it says on. Yeah, it says online that Netflix stops working on January 31st, 2019. Yes. See, I was right. John and you were both right. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, they they're all gone. Um, did you try? You tried booting up the Wii Shop, John? Right? Yeah, I tried booting up the Wii Shop. So, uh, I was on it for about an hour today, just kind of poking around on on the Wii. I, as I said, I hadn't used it in three years. So I was like signing on to the shop and signing off, signing on, signing off. And then at one point, I signed off and I went to sign back on again, and I got a like an HTML error. Which I took a picture of, but yeah, the HTML error, some random error that I'd never seen on on the Wii before, and then I tried it again, same error. I tried it a third time, and I figured, okay, this is it, it's dead. And in fact, I saw somebody even posted on the NBC group the same picture that I had, and said, oh, the Wii, Wii shop is dead. And then about thirty minutes later, I tried it again, and it was up and running. Mm-hmm. So. Uh. Maybe it had a last, last small little uh, death growl in there, I guess. Maybe they were like, yeah. maybe there's like death several rattle. servers and they were just like, like shutting them down and like mm-hmm. you're yeah. randomly accessing yeah. one of the fuels left. Yeah. All the switches are just shutting off down the line. Yeah. <laughs> it got to you later. Cause that's because you're at an earlier time zone. It's because of... the, the janitor hangs up his hat, closes the door <laughs> and the light goes out. Actually, this is a completely not unrelated thing to that subject but you know how i always used to call the janitor like the person that goes through and changes the things in the game like when you yeah. leave and come back mm-hmm. the in uh in the sphinx and the cursed mummy you can actually when you're the guy before he becomes the mummy he's like this mm-hmm. prince you can basically run around and, and break vases in your room and knock them over and when you come back like your cleaning lady is cleaning them up so i thought that was really funny it's like you caught oh, it's, like cool. you, it's, it's like it's real like real janitor you, yeah it's like you caught the janitor in the act that's actually one of the that's actually how you get to the first thing you're trying to collect is you try to get her away from one thing by breaking a thing and then she goes and cleans it. But I thought that was interesting. I was like, oh, hey, I, f- I caught the janitor finally cleaning stuff. 
but everything was the same. It didn't change. Like everything was still broken. I like that. But uh, well, it's good to know. You know, yeah. people have jobs in this game. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to get a job nowadays. Yeah, yeah they, they're actually they're actually doing things. Yeah. So did you guys uh, sign under the shop too, or no? I, yeah, I did. I mean, I no, had Jeremy to, did. Yeah, he did. He did, I did the rest last of night stuff. to the rest of the games. Um, I didn't try it all today, but I did listen to. I sent a video to Trey and John. Um, by uh, it's a it's a YouTube channel called Nirvana, the band of the show. But they're pretty ridiculous. But they did this this video back in like 2008 or 2009 about the Wii Shop and yeah. made a song out of the theme, and it's pretty fun. So uh-huh. I watched that video a couple times today, and then I listened to the Hotline Bling, uh, the Drake remix of it too, a yeah. couple of times, and just sort of been kind of like mourning in my own way by the music being the most iconic part of it. I think for me, especially now that I I feel like I've cleared out everything I ever possibly wanted from the shop, um, it turned into a museum more than a you know. Yeah, you know, than anything at the end. So, right. just like just hearing that music, that music is you know forever going to be blazed into my head. Is my first, um, my first experience with buying games online, mm-hmm. and like really just getting hyped up for like online releases and all the really kind of fun tactile ways Nintendo made getting a game through the eShop. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the, the just the the physical pointer. And how that interacted and the clicky feeling in the Wiimote. Like, I don't think they've really, like, recreated that feeling in any of their consoles that, that the way the Wii felt, like, how special it felt when, yeah. in those early days. Well, I think they wanted you to, like, uh, well, I think the idea they were going for is, like, you're, you're holding a TV remote. Like, that's <laughs> what they're going with that, so everybody would understand it. But I think, I mean, we did an episode about the closing of the Wii Shop way back when, like, whenever that was first announced, so. And I have mm-hmm. that Drake song in there as well, so you can go back and listen to that. But it's been it's been a long time coming, you know. And it has. And there was just such a great selection in it. And that was the first time I ever like, you know, would be excited to check the Wii Shop every week because there was always a different thing. Like I never, I never like checked like on the time or anything. I wasn't like looking exactly at midnight, but I would look when I got up in the morning. Like if I wasn't going, had to go to work or whatever, I would look at what was on there, you know, and I'd be excited mm-hmm. to see what was new and. When they were doing, when they were dropping all the virtual console stuff, it was really exciting. So it was a big, it was actually kind of an event, like between uh, my roommate and I. You know, we were always like, okay, well, what's up this week? It's like, oh, cool, well, let's get that game, just because. Why not? You know, it's like it was just right. cool to because we never experienced something that was so like quick like that, where it's just like, well, we want to play Super Mario Brothers too. Well, yeah, we can right now. All right, cool, five dollars, boom, we got it going. We got it going in a few seconds, you know. So it was just, really. It felt like, yeah. especially at the beginning, it felt like. A world of endless possibilities. Yeah. Any game from the past is going to come on on the week, and that did, that didn't happen, but a whole bunch of them did. Um, it's sure like it got it the cool. closest to that than any other console did. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. the exception maybe computers, but you got to get around. You got to get around right. some legal loopholes for a lot of those games, or just straight up bootleg. But mm-hmm. yeah, like the Wii was a very magical piece of tech, and with with the interface being so unique and yeah, what and I was thinking too today about the news channel. Like, I wasn't as obsessed with politics and all that. Like when I was younger, mm-hmm. you know, this being like twelve years ago or whatever, when the Wii Shop channel was in like full force. But the news channel was cool. I really liked the layout of it, where you spun the globe and like the and news had the stacks of paper on each on each area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you could be like, well, what's this news here? This is something in, happening in Iraq. There's a literally like a, a thing that you click on in the on the world map of Iraq, and that just something about that like tactile feedback of mm. of seeing it in a global sense yeah. made the news like feel different back then. 
in there. Yeah, like just clicking through Reddit or going to different news sites or whatever. Yeah, that was always yeah, I can remember reading a lot of the news on there and checking the weather even. Mm-hmm. Here's something that we will. Here's something we will probably never see in games again because of that. Like, like uh, the, you remember the Tiger Woods game that you could play on Wii, the Motion Plus one. Like mm-hmm. one of my favorite things was you could set it to interact with the Wii Weather Channel. So when you were playing, the weather would be the same as like it was where you where you were or whatever. So oh, like, cool. It, so like yeah, it was snowing was cool. in the real world. It was snowing in the game. Like I always thought that was really neat. Like you could that was an option you could set on there. Like if it's raining outside, it'll rain. In the Do game people too. really play snow golf? I don't. Hey man, you could make it happen. <laughs> I don't think you would, <laughs> but you could totally make it happen. I thought that was interesting because of that. But yeah, yeah. Uh, we shop. Uh, we salute you and. Uh, you know, uh, I'm just sad that you know, leave flowers that, at your grave or whatever. I mean, it's I'll never, I'll never be able to, never be I'll able never to, be able to the trace the pointer on the circle. Yeah, again, <laughs> I did that one more time as I was. Oh yeah, when it when it loaded. It out, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was everybody yeah, did that. Like, oh, yeah. Man, it's like petting your pet one more time before uh-huh. they're euthanized. You know. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love you. Yeah. <laughs> Well, see you later. Yeah, see you later, Wii Shop. Yeah, that's kind of what happened to the Wii Shop. It's gone. Yeah. And it was like it's the prototype for all these other ones. And they really did it right at first. You know, they did a great job with it. And then, of course, it fell off like every other Nintendo online-oriented thing does. Yeah. But now we get 20-plus uh, games a week on the eShop. So, I mean, that's not really a bad thing. You can no, now it. they're just <laughs> like so damn And now there's now sense. there's sales. There were no sales in the Wii Shop. So. I mean, now I'm complaining about, or what's that game? Yeah, Wargroup. I'm complaining about Wargroup coming out because it sounds great, but do I really need another really good strategy game? <laughs> yeah, you already have like two. But yeah, good night, Wii Shop. Uh, you did great things for us. Good night. But um, on, a, on the upside, the good news of the week is the Piranha Plant has been dropped onto Smash Brothers. Now, uh, I had a, I had a hard time getting the Piranha Plant. Like, I wanted to mention my story real quick. I couldn't. I, so I like I got the update. You know, I kept checking for the update. I was take it. I, granted, I was at my fiance's grandmother's house. She has no internet there, so I was using I was basically using my phone as a hotspot to try to get online mm-hmm. to get to get the Piranha Plant so I could play it while I was there. You know, and I was online and I got the update. And I started Smash Brothers, and it was like Piranha Plant, no Piranha Plant. I'm like, oh fuck! So I like restarted a bunch of times, like kept like turning the internet on and off. Turns out I had to go into the eShop and re-download the DLC for the for the Piranha Plant because when I switched cards, I never re-downloaded it. But thankfully, I could find it in the re-download list, like under my name and all that. But it was irritating for a while. But I finally got it. And actually, a friend of the show, a friend of the show, Brandon Pruitt. Um, he uh, wrote up a big document about uh, about the character. So if you want to know all of his different moves and all that, you can you can hit him up and ask for it. And I asked if we could read some of it. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but there were some cool things that he put in here. Like one thing, I don't know if you guys found this, but there's a really interesting like uh, Easter egg in there. If you hold down on the control pad, like for your character to duck, um, it'll turn into the plant from the original one. It'll like. You know, the, the pot will get on the ground, and the plant will just come up and down. And if somebody tries to jump and hit you, they can't. The plant will, like, bite you. So no. so you basically become... You don't like, 8-bit, or what? What do you mean by that? No, you know, like, how you know how the how you see the feet, how it's walking around with the, uh-huh. with the pot? If you hold down like you duck, he just sits down. 
So like now it's just a plant. There's no feed under the plant. Basically like or the, there's no there's no the feed under the Yeah, there's no feed under the pipe. So now so now the plant will just go up and down like that. It will do the motions that it did in the original Mario game. And if somebody tries to what was it he said uh foot if somebody tries to footstool you, which was a term I didn't know of. That's where you jump and uh, hit somebody on the way down. It's basically like jumping on them like in Mario. You can't do that. They'll take da- they'll them. take damage because the teeth of the piranha will bite you. The piranha ah. plant. Mm, so that that's that's a cool that's a cool thing. Like just whenever you play it next, just hold down and watch. He'll turn into the regular. I did not try that. Yeah, he it won't turn eight bit, but it'll look like it'll look like it would in like New Super Mario Brothers or something. I, I do like real... the move where it spits the ball up in the air and then mm. you can shoot that ball. And that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. He was saying. Uh, uh, Brandon was saying that like it's it, he's very, the character is very good for like guarding the ledges and all that and i like that he refers to uh he is good for guarding the ledges i had uh, fun playing through the classic mode with him yeah i played through classic mode as well and if people are saying that there's some sort of glitch in there with all-star mode where it like bricks your or corrupts your save and all that i don't know i Ooh. haven't i never messed around with all-star mode so i don't yeah, know I'm about that but all-star until they fix that but it would have been really cool if we ended up having that smash brothers party tonight we could actually got to use the piranha plant i know yeah. fuck yeah. So I uh so I didn't even know until just a couple hours ago that I had the piranha plant because I thought you only got the piranha plant if you bought like whatever the because there was a version you bought where you paid more than me right where you oh, like, essentially got the season pass or whatever yeah I got the season pass but the piranha plant wasn't a part of the season pass it I was, thought uh, I totally thought it was this whole yeah. time I know that I know the opposite now yeah it was uh, I remember seeing something a couple weeks ago where someone was like Nintendo must really want me to come back to them because they sent me a code for the piranha plant and i didn't even blah blah, blah. i can't remember what they said but yeah. i was like wait what and that put planted the seed in my head and then today on the nvc group uh, greg caldwell you know frequent poster um mm-hmm. posted about how to find it and so i went to my email and it took me probably 10 minutes to wade through all my emails and finally find it thank god i found the it. email they sent me back in november or whatever it was early december that said, thank you for playing Smash Brothers or something, and it was the code was within the body of that email. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was cool. Like long story short, I got the piranha plant, and I didn't think I got it. So I was that was a little fun bonus today. Yeah, I played through classic mode, and I really like the character. I like how it handles. Yeah, it's a lighter character, but it's very mobile. But you can kind of feel the weight of the pot though too as he's walking through, uh, as Brandon said yeah. in his uh, in his document. But and he yeah. kind of ambles along, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it, and it's I just love the way it was like such an obscure character. I remember seeing it, but yeah, it was originally a, it was basically like an early adopter price. You know, it's like if you buy it by by the end of January, you get this for free. So I was gonna say I right after I played with the Piranha for a little while, I went to uh, play some more of Mario U. And uh, it was a level that had a ton of Piranha plants in it. It was so strange to go from like. I don't know. It felt so like freeing to finally be a piranha plant because I'd never gotten to be one. You know, like now I'm fighting them. I never knew I wanted to be one. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Now I'm just like, man, it feels weird killing these piranha plants. They're so cool. I want to be them. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so now I totally think uh, Nintendo needs it in the next Mario game. There needs to be a piranha suit. Yeah, for sure. That'd be freaking cool. And by the suit. Yeah. And uh, it has excellent recovery, too. Like it really, it has like, it's kind of the same as a K rule. Like you can fall pretty far down and it does a little helicopter thing. Yeah. The helicopter moves great. Yeah. So you can come back really bad. And uh, Brandon was saying that like, uh, 
what was it a uh, neutral neutral b and down b are pretty good pretty good ways to to edge guard and all that but uh yeah thanks for thanks for sending our sending us that document brandon uh well, we really can't we can't read all of it, but it's super interesting. Um, you can post it on the episode; people can see it. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, I was going to post. Uh, I'll post your Twitch, uh, your Twitch account, and all that, and people can try to get hold of you on there. I think it's um, it's a uh, Doxa underscore gaming is a is a Twitch account. So check check that out if you want to know more about. And there's a video on there too of him going through all the different stuff. But yeah, thanks for the extra stuff. I just wanted to get a, get a little heads up on uh, on the Piranha Plant. But yeah, he's a really cool character to have in there. And uh, I, I want to play with them more. Hopefully, they fix whatever that corruption thing is, if that's actually in there. Yeah, and if all these new characters that they're releasing are anything on par with the Piranha Plant, then I'm all about it because each one just brings new options of like ways to fight. Which I, I'm ne- I'm definitely a casual Smash player, but it's still fun to like mm. learn a new character and be like, oh well this always annoyed me when I did it with another character, but this character feels great. Like mm-hmm. his smash attacks are really nice. I really like his. And then his uppy, like we were saying, the helicopter move. I yeah. yeah. Love that thing. It's great. Great recovery. And it's also an attack. So, you know, K rules recover isn't it? I don't think it's an attack. Oh yeah. No, but the piranha plant will like hit you multiple times as it's spinning. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool. Cool. Yeah. Thanks again, Brandon, for the, for all the information on that. So let's let's go to our let's go to our topic then. Hey Ross, hope we weren't boring you too much with the piranha plant talk. Oh, of course not, man. It's all good. I, I dig that character. I haven't had a chance to play with it myself yet. Mm. So uh, let's so let's talk about what you do. Um, so you're a video game lawyer, right? Uh, and uh, and we talked a little bit about the um, independent uh, game developers, but let me ask you this: like, as a game lawyer, are you like kind of? Um, is that like an intellectual property lawyer? Like, is it a copyright thing? Or like, what exactly are you doing for, for developers? It's a lot of different disciplines, which, uh, which makes it definitely more interesting than your, than your average general practice attorney. Because, like, like you said, it brings in uh, intellectual property. So we're talking copyrights, trademarks, patents, and trade secrets. It's also a good deal of corporate law, contracts, and, you know, standard drafting. But then you also get... Marketing, publishing, potentially estate planning, privacy. It's a lot of different disciplines all kind of intersecting, uh, very much like the video games themselves. Oh, okay. Uh, just like game developers are, you know, schooled in computer programming, art, music, design. Uh, a video game lawyer has to know all the different areas of how touch on games as well. Mm. So do you, do you mostly work directly for the company then? You probably don't work directly for the developers, do you? Or is it if they're smaller? Uh, it's a little bit of 50-50. So I think I would say half of my clients are independent developers. So they're 
uh, small teams of between two and ten folks who might be working independently or banding together to form a studio. And that's the majority of what my practice is, is setting independent developers up with their studios, handling their incorporations, IP registration and maintenance, uh, enforcement, and then, of course, handling their marketing, publishing, privacy, and, and general maintenance of all of their contracts and business dealings. Okay. What is uh, what are some uh, what are some that we might recognize that you've worked with in the past of the of the developers? Uh, I'm not able to say any of my clients specifically by name. Oh, okay. But <laughs> are if you've played any independently made games that come out of Chicago or the Midwest, I've probably had a hand on it in one way or another. Okay. Yeah, I didn't think about the client uh, client relationship and all that about it. Um, you guys have any questions? For him, I have I have one from the listeners. If you if you guys don't have one, yet. I'd say I, I had a question. Just this is kind of like out there, and I don't know if you'd have an answer to it or not. But it was a random thing that came to my head. I thought it was cool. So like, uh, have you ever played Chrono Trigger? I have. So in Chrono Trigger, I know the names were different in the Japanese version, but in the U.S. version, there were three characters, and they were called Ozzy, Slash, and uh, oh shit, what was the other one? Uh, Flea. There were three characters that were obviously named after, you know, American musicians. I was wondering if, and, I, and obviously it didn't happen, but if there would have been any, like, legal basis for any of those musicians to, like, come after Nintendo or Square or whomever published that game for using their names, those those single name monikers in the game. For sure. Uh, that, that is a really good question, and I will dive right into it. But first, I have to have a legal disclaimer that... Uh, Anything that I'm saying is not technically legal advice. It's just legal information. Okay. So no attorney client okay. privilege exists between you and I or any of the listeners. Okay. Uh, lawyers love disclaimers. It keeps us out of trouble and lets us provide the best service possible. For sure. Uh, so you asked about whether or not, uh, if you're a game developer and you include some names in your game that might be a reference to a celebrity, TV personality, politician, or, or anyone out there in general, uh, are there any legal ramifications for that? Could you get sued? Uh, the short answer is yes, you can always get sued uh, yeah. for anything, whether or not you're right or wrong. The, the question is, will they win? And sometimes that depends more on how deep their pockets are and how much time they have than what their actual legal case is. Um, but when it comes to celebrity likenesses or celebrity names used in games, we're talking about the right of privacy or, as it's come to be known in many places, the right of publicity. Mm. Uh, celebrities have a great deal of rights when it comes to their likeness, their face, their sound, their music, even their smell. And the way that games are kind of commercialized these days, there's a good precedent for actors lending their likenesses to games. You might know uh, Ellen Page lending her likeness to Beyond Two Souls, Willem Dafoe uh, for that game as well. Um, Sir Patrick Stewart lending his voice to Castlevania Lords of Shadow. There's a very rich precedent for celebrities getting involved in games, and the case that they would bring if they don't like how their name is portrayed or if they're included uh, could be predicated on the right of publicity or privacy and false endorsement. They might say that their brand is being harmed uh, by people assuming that they're endorsing a product when they might not be, and that's part of the right of publicity uh, or right of privacy. They also might claim slander or libel if it's a disparaging representation of them. Mm. But I don't think I don't think Slash actually played. Yeah, would uh, they, I'd say what like, what would they have any precedent for saying like somehow using like just in that case using their names? You know, it's a ridiculous concept, really thinking about it. But that it helped sell copies of the game. 
And because of that, they're like afforded some percentage of the profits for helping like get the game to sell more. Like if they chose to take that angle, I would think that would be why they would sue them, right? Do you think? Ross, Usually, but not, that the, would yeah. be necessarily damaging their like reputation. That. It would be that their great reputation was used. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely a factor as well because sometimes it's a benefit, not a detriment. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Some cases that have come up recently that have spoken to that is uh, there was a college basketball game that used the likenesses of college basketball players, and they the, the makers of the game were successfully sued by the Players Association because no royalties were paid out to those players. College players don't get any royalties for use of their likenesses in commercial products because they're student athletes, unlike players in the NBA who do get royalties for their likenesses. Oh, wow. Yeah. I never... Um, Unfortunately, that case settled out of court, so we didn't get a legal precedent out of it. Um, but it, it's coming up all the time, and it's always changing. Right now, a number of celebrities are bringing lawsuits against the makers of Fortnite uh, <laughs> for <laughs> wow. stealing their dances, or so they'll say. <laughs> like, um, uh, yeah, didn't uh, didn't the guy from uh, Will Smith do that, uh, Carlton? Mm-hmm. Yeah, was, Carlton was Alfonso. That? Alfonso. Uh, yeah. Yeah. A case saying that because the Carlton dance in, in Fortnite that that's a big factor to Fortnite's runaway success and that he's entitled to a piece of that pie. Mm-hmm. And he makes an interesting case because this has come up several times and jury is still out a little bit on whether or not copyright protects dance moves. Uh, if you ask the Copyright Office and look at the Copyright Act of 1976, you'll see that like simple dance moves like the worm, the bus driver, the Macarena, those are not considered covered under copyright law. Mm-hmm. But copyright does cover dance choreography. So the question then becomes, is the dance choreography complicated mm-hmm. enough, long enough, interesting enough to be considered choreography? And we haven't had a case that's answered that question in the video game space. Yeah. So See, it's I kind don't... of guess at this point. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he ever went after him, but... Um... I think that there's a character in this TV show Scrubs that did a similar, move, like a Carlton kind of dance. That, uh, sure. Uh, that I don't know if Alfonso went after that back then, but that that dance has definitely permeated popular culture. Well, it probably wasn't as big as the, I mean, the Fortnite thing. Like, there's advanced, there, there's like events with like millions of people doing that dance at once, you know. So maybe he didn't know about the Scrubs thing. I don't know. That's interesting though. Like. About like whether copyright had actually gone to owning a dance and all that, I guess, you know, it's, you never know. That's that you always got to look into the details for that. Right. When it comes to, to that. I mean, obviously you think about like the moonwalk, that was definitely mm-hmm. Michael Jackson owned that, but then there's all kinds of videos of like, well, no, it was actually, uh, what was that guy's name? The, I can't remember his name off the top of my head now, but he was a dancer that was really popular back in like the sixties and seventies that had done a similar act on film and was actually the basis and one of the people MJ consulted when he was developing the dance. So it's like, was that, was the moonwalk Michael Jackson's obviously like that was huge part of his like fame and his career eventually. And, and uh, yeah, yeah, I do wonder like dance, dance is permeating the culture. Think about Conan O'Brien. He has that, like that string dance. Like, exactly. I wonder if they like, if they like brought that to, Fortnite? Do you think Conan O'Brien would sue? I mean, that's a very obviously a reference to him. He probably has yeah. enough money. He doesn't need that. <laughs> I've had this he conversation. Might. You never with... know. 
Uh, my friends out here. There's a lot of factors that might decide that. I suspect that given the numbers involved, that question will probably settle before it actually goes before a jury or a court of law to decide, which is unfortunately how a lot of yeah. these issues pan out. Uh, because once the precedent is set, then they have to worry about in the future paying out a lot more money or just not being able to do it at all. Sure. Well, well, finances always play a very large role in litigation. And more often than not, settling out of court ahead of time ends up being cheaper than potentially, you know, racking up attorney's fees and having the decision mm-hmm. wrong and owing a judgment anyway. Um, for decades, people were paying, I think it was Warner Brothers, uh, for the rights to use the song Happy Birthday because yeah. they claimed that they owned the song. And as it wow. turned out, it went the other way. Um, <laughs> and they didn't. People Happy birthday, old Warner Brothers. For all those years. Yeah. So when uh, so when you went to law school, were you always planning on uh, doing video game stuff? Or was that just something that came about later, like from uh, just cases you would got involved with? What was your origin story here on this? How you got to it? <laughs> I worked start. Uh, so something that was always in the back of my head when I went into law school, I was definitely passionate about free speech, Internet censorship and technology in general. But I think the thing that really nailed it home that I wanted to be a video game practitioner was a court case called Entertainment Association versus Brown. And this was a Supreme Court case, uh, one of the one of the biggest Supreme Court cases that we have related to video games. And what happened there was the state of California passed some legislation that tried to criminalize selling video game, violent video games to minors. Uh, I remember this. Illegal yeah. to sell cigarettes to people under 18. Oh, yeah. Uh, wanted to have criminal penalties for selling that copy of Mortal Kombat to a 12 year old. Mm-hmm. And the court said no dice because, not because it was the wrong thing to do or the 12 year old should have access to violent games, but just that doing so would create this whole new category of unprotected free speech that didn't jive with the Constitution. They said video games don't qualify. Uh, well, the law was saying that. Video games didn't qualify for free speech, but they didn't place any like realistic limits or kind of guidance on it. So the Supreme Court said video games are the same as books and movies and music, and they're free speech, and you can't regulate them for content that way. And that's the right decision. I was very happy to read it, but in reading the footnotes of that case when I was still in law school, I was looking at some of these citations the judges were using, and it just was very clear to me. They had no idea what they were talking about. None of them had played video games. And I was like, this is kind of scary. These judges and attorneys are making laws affecting this entire art form and don't know what the hell they're talking about. So I better get involved fast. And luckily, yeah, at least luckily they didn't make any fatal decisions at this point. Like that, would, Well, you know what I mean, decisions that would have very negatively impacted video games by now. We've done okay so far in the country. We've been very, uh, the industry has been very stubborn about self-regulating and not letting the government get its hands. I know, like in Australia, for instance, Australia had it pretty bad for a while. I think it's starting to loosen up a little bit, but there are other countries where they don't get the games we get because of censorship kind of things. Oh, sure. Well, for years in Germany, you couldn't have any game that depicted uh, any Nazis or Hitler or any kind of world. (laughs) Do they're so. pretty sensitive about that. <laughs> they, they've really dialed that back. They're allowing uh, they're allowing that to happen. So if you're in Germany, you might get to play the new Wolfenstein in the coming years. I was going to say, they never let you play Wolfenstein over there because you're shooting Nazis. For real. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all very fascinating. So so were you, like, were you 
do you remember that case specifically like growing up like it happening or is this more like as you were in law school you were doing research and and you just came across this like video game case from back in the day uh that case was from i believe it was 2010 so i remember oh it was more recently than i thought yeah yeah that was more recent than you'd think almost uh, a decade I this was like back in the 90s. That question, yeah, it was almost a decade though but I do remember as a kid back in 94, uh, hearing the congressional testimony on uh, that ultimately led to the foundation of the ESRB when Congress was debating if video games were making our kids violent killers, if Mortal Kombat, Night yep. Trap, Death Race yeah. were breeding a generation of murderers. And Gosh. Fortunately, that conversation was solved, and we've never had to discuss that ever again since. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember seeing pictures of like senators and stuff in Game Pro magazine. I'm like, this is weird. Yeah. Well, yeah. Mo- movies and books never showed up in any of those. <laughs> Just video games and music. Yeah, no, I mean, I think movies did too. To a point, Some movies sort of did, but it was just all like no one really was gonna. They were just gonna change the ratings. Is all that would happen with movies. Uh, well, I mean, they kind of did that. I mean, when they brought in the ratings for games, you know, when they started putting mature and. Uh, E and you know put like E and M and and uh, uh, all those different and there's different there. rating systems around the world that do kind of the same thing. Um, yeah. Whatever, it's cool, but yeah, it was like it, it gave an age regulation to selling games, just like there were with movies. I don't necessarily disagree with that fact, but there definitely was a time where it was video games and music were being demonized for any like mass killing or anything in the U.S. or even was- just. In the 80s and 90s, you know, it's like, let, what, who can we blame other than ourselves for our kids badly? That's what we got in the 90s with the ESRB stickers, just like the mm-hmm. parental advisory stickers yeah, for yeah. music in the 80s. Yeah. Did have you run into any situations where like, where like one person made a thing and somebody else like completely stole it, and it was like all about a, uh, like, were you able to track down like the origin of something that you didn't uh, that that you didn't know about or? That end up. I mean, I know you can't get into specifics, but has there been anything like uh, intellectual property stuff like that specifically that you've worked on? You know, it comes up more often than you'd think. Uh, a great resource that I use for tracking that down is, believe it or not, Nintendo Power, Electronics Gaming Monthly, and GamePro. Mm. Uh, those are all kind of a living history of first art and first sale for a lot of intellectual property. Yeah. So, especially for games that are you know pre-internet mm. and. For a long time, people were thinking that it wasn't going to be relevant anymore because these games were, you know, over 20 years old. They, they were dead. They were, you know, kind of orphaned and no one was going to make sequels. But we're in a world now where every week there's a new HD reboot, remaster, spiritual successor, or something of some kind. Yeah. Um, so it comes up quite often. I've seen cases where uh, artwork and video games based on a sculpture that someone made wound up in court because the sculptor claimed copyright over his sculptural work that then, you know, without his permission, found its way into a video game made by a major uh, publisher. Oh, yeah. No, I, no I, I, I could believe that, that somebody would be like, oh, no, that was mine. I made it. Don't don't put it in there. So I guess, yeah, probably one thing then, too, with, like, you're, if you're going to go after somebody, like, with a lawsuit, you're usually going to be going after, like, a major developer, right? Because, like, what kind of, like... What are you going to get out of like a struggling independent developer if you're trying to sue them? Like nothing. Unless All right, you're going to do is like cancel the project or whatever. Yeah, I see. I guess not everybody like 
prosecutes based on wanting money. I just I was kind of being black and white about that. There are yeah, I mean, sometimes tensions. it's about money. Sometimes it's about just stomping them into the ground because you're angry someone stole your cool idea. Yeah, I mean, if or it could, you know, you think of, I always think of like some sort of Hollywood movie where it'd be like two guys worked together and then they got in a fight and then one of them went and put out the game and they got, became famous and the other one, you know, became a druggie or whatever. I mean, that's that would be the more like independent that I would that I would think of of that, you know. But and but you do you hear you hear stories all the time. Also on the other side, like I remember there was somebody who tried to sue Nintendo, like claiming that he created the Wii, and you see that in other stuff. I remember there was a guy who like claimed that he like invented the Punisher, and he was trying to sue Marvel and all that. So I mean, you do see that where like people say they got like pushed aside or whatever, and they were part of the creation of it. So I don't know, see that one way or another. I got a question about ROMs. Yeah. So what's the official word? Like, let's put it to bed. Okay, so if I own a copy of the old NES game, can I go download a ROM off the internet? No. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> never, never, never. Um, yeah, what is the official? All the time. It's been especially a hot topic in the last couple of years. Um, so in software, there's been a long history of people liking to make backups of their of their software. They like to back it up on a floppy disk. They like to make a copy of the ROM. Uh, the idea being that the the original copy might get lost, destroyed, uh, wiped, or, or something else. So they want to make a backup. And there's a long history in technology law, software law, uh, that allows for that. You're allowed to make a copy of something. The problem with downloading ROMs off the Internet, like so many people do, is that technically that ROM is not a copy of your game. That's a copy of someone else's game. Mm -hmm. It mm -hmm. might be an identical file, but the way the law treats it is that's not your copy. That's someone else's copy. So regardless of the fact that you own it or not, uh, the one that you're downloading is one that someone illegally uploaded. Mm -hmm. So that, that will never be okay. legal. And it's been a very hot topic in recent years because of how prevalent they've been, and especially because with Raspberry Pis so and home computing, it's been so easy to make a device that runs all these things. And I think, uh, in no small part, that issue has led to all of these mini consoles that are becoming so popular. I think the NES and SNES Classic yeah. that have been released, the PlayStation console, I sure. think are all a direct response to trying to make a legitimate uh, you know, entry into that world where these companies are trying to say, look, we know that you're trying, you want to play these games and they might not be available anywhere. Let's, uh, you know, provide you an avenue to obtain them legally and we'll win yeah. <laughs> as well. Yeah. And you don't have to deal with the possibility of viruses and all that. Um, is, uh, so, is emulation in itself illegal? Do you, do you have you actually uh, taken anybody to so court? I actually had a, I had a follow up to that just to, just okay. quickly to ask, like, sure. uh, if you have the if you have the hardware to make the ROM yourself of your own game, is that legal? So if I had like bought a piece of hardware that allowed me to turn an SNES cart into a ROM, is that legal? Potentially, it's going to depend where okay. you're at and uh, what purposes you're using it for. Okay, if you're transferring it or uploading it, it, it's going to get very murky. But something that I always tell my clients and hobbyists especially is that even if something that you're doing is legal, if it's suspect and if it's biting someone's pocket or bottom uh -huh. line, you get a nasty letter from someone. And they might not have to be right to bleed you dry before you even get to court. So right, exactly. Court, so the legal fees might... You know, the money you're saving to get it. Uh -huh. Okay. 
you know, or because it might not be worth the squeeze, especially if something's available. I mean, this is one of the wonderful things about digital distribution is you're going to be hard pressed to find a game out there that you can't get legitimately through the Nintendo eShop mm-hmm. or, you know, uh, through Xbox Live or PlayStation Plus. Chances are it's going to be somewhere very easy to get a hold of. Yeah. I mean, there are aside from like obscure like NES games, Say, like, like a little, lot of the, little Samson. Yeah, it was never. If you boot like that, they're not making any money off of it. Just like they're not making any money off the secondhand market of mm-hmm. those ridiculously expensive cartridges. Mm-hmm. Well, if but the, it's still intellectual property, so I do understand. I mean, if the company's not even to, not even around anymore, then who would be able to sue you? Really, of taking? I'm not. I'm so not trying to encourage anybody to steal ROMs or anything like that, but. Some of those, but at this point, know. like if it's a popular series, odds are you can get it on Steam or wherever mm-hmm. else. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, you so should... all those games. They, I mean, and there are plenty of games out there that are like that that might be rare that will never see the light of day again because the people who made them have abandoned them or can't be found. And you know that there may not be any other way to get them other than a pirated ROM. And you know, while it's morally justifiable, maybe to breathe some new life into a game that way or play it again. Uh, and while I definitely sympathize with it, like as far as the law is concerned, it, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's not if you didn't pay for it, it's not yours. So too bad. Did did you ever did you ever like uh, have a court a case like that about like uh, about getting illegal ROMs or anything like that? Does anybody actually get sued for that? I mean, you know, obviously can't say. It's not like the '90s where you hear those stories about like your 90 year old grandmother getting sued for using Napster. Yeah. <laughs> uh, where where it does crop up though is when I'll I'll tell you who does get nailed for it regularly. It's the folks who have downloaded all of those ROMs for every console off of Pirate Bay or somewhere else, and they're slapping them on Raspberry Pis and selling them on Craigslist. At yeah, yeah. So I'm, if you're dumb enough to do that, you are going to have the axe dropped on your head. I heard that there. I think that Sony went after someone who was selling modded PS2s on eBay. In the last year, wow! Um, I mean, they, they, they definitely made an example out of him, but it doesn't happen to everybody. But that doesn't mean it's not going to happen. But to if, him. but if they, there's definitely a paper trail, or at least an internet paper trail. If you're like making money off of Craigslist or whatever, like it, all those posts are archived, and they can, they can like anyone can just see like, oh, this guy's made like several thousand dollars off of modded PS2s. Um, mm-hmm. Gotta stop yeah, that. They're going to be entitled to every dime you made plus potentially punitive damages to make an example out of you. And to give you an idea of how much money that could cost you, uh, average copyright infringement statutory damages is $50,000 per infringement. So if you're oh selling something Raspberry Pi with an 8-gig hard drive that's got 10,000 games on it, you can multiply 10,000 games times $50,000 and figure out how much money you're going to owe someone. Wow. And that's I mean, per, like, per, per unit sold, too, right? Yep. So, like... Wow. That's another multiplier. Oh, great. So I owe $8.5 billion for all those. <laughs> I mean, I didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, uh, I mean, I get ads, like, I get ads sent to me through, like, on Facebook, like, just shown on Facebook of people, of people selling hacked NES classics or super yeah. NES classics. I mean, how can you sure. do that legally and not get – I guess if nobody's coming after you, it doesn't matter. I'm just saying like people are putting up ads like with videos and they're saying like, hey, buy oh, yeah. what is obviously a hacked NES classic that has like 100 games on it. I got one for an Xbox One with Super Mario 3D World included and two PlayStation <laughs> controllers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
One that I've seen quite a bit is folks are making Raspberry Pi portable Game Boy consoles, oh, and they're yeah, putting yeah. all of the different Retro Pi, you know, ROMs on them. And I've seen those on Facebook. I've seen them all over the place, and it's just kind of a game of whack a mole. <laughs> you know? Do you, as a lawyer, do you ever see something happening, and then contact the client about it in that regard? Like, say, like maybe the client's unaware of that. Something's happening. You're like, hey, I've noticed this. Uh, you may need legal defense. Uh, short answer, yes. It depends on the client. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that makes ROMs interesting from a legal perspective and the conversation in general is there's usually a back and forth between uh, the legal department and the marketing department because the marketing department at a you know AAA studio wants to encourage uh, fan mods, hacks, homage sequels, they want to build a brand, and you know, as long as people are making mods, they're they're involved in the game, and you know, it's free advertising, and they're promoting the brand, and that's all good. But on the other hand, from a legal perspective, if you don't enforce your intellectual property rights, you potentially could lose the right to enforce them against other people. Kind of a you don't use it, you lose it situation. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times, uh, it's a conversation I've had with my clients where they'll say, "Hey, this guy's ripping off my game." They, they copied my art. It's being reproduced here and there in the other place. What do we do? And I said, well, that's up to you. You know, if you want to let it out there, you might get a lot of good publicity. You might get some exposure that might lead to more contracts, more business, more revenue for you. On the other hand, you might be losing your rights to use that work or stop them from using it at any other time. So you kind of have to balance those two things against each other. And it's kind of a hard balancing act for a lot of people. It really comes down to numbers. And you can kind of see it at play with some of the major AAA studios where there was a fan game that was being made of Spyro the Dragon this last year that was fantastic. Uh, it was a fantastic representation of what the game looked like, and it, it looked legit. It looked good enough to have been made by Insomniac uh, and produced by Activision. But unfortunately, it was getting too much press, and it looked a little bit too good, and people were confusing it as an actual game. On the year that Activision was releasing a re-release, of Spiral the Dragon, they didn't want confusion in the marketplace damaging their brand or calling into question their IP rights when they're renewing trademarks and everything else. So they sent them a and d letter and said, if you show that anywhere, it's your ass. Yeah. Wow. Well, they had a, there was a similar thing with the Metroid, Metroid True remake as well. Like somebody yeah. made, made a Metroid, uh, Metroid 2 remake and Nintendo shot it down and then announced uh, Samus Returns, the 3DS game. So I mean, maybe they noticed that because they were working on the other one, or I don't know. Exactly. It makes a big difference. And, you know, something that I hear a lot from, uh, you know, homebrew enthusiasts and folks that are making sequels to, you know, things that they enjoy just for themselves, not for other people, I always have to tell them, like, copyright lasts a very long time. It lasts as long as the life of the author plus Plus 70 years. Yeah. Or if it's made by a company, uh, you know, plus you know, 95 to 100 years. So by those, even the most conservative numbers, all those retro arcade classics from the early 80s aren't going to be fair use and in the public domain until mm-hmm. at least 2050. Yeah, wow. yeah. So, sorry, you you can't make that sequel to Arkanoid. And how does that work as far as, yeah. like, so, like, yeah, and, and if the trademark, it's it's about people renewing it too, right? So if it's it's not public domain, if they continue to renew the trademark or... Like if it, like right. say so let's say like it got passed on to that person's estate. Marked a little uh, bit different. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because I'm thinking about so like the one of the most famous video game cases as far as that's concerned is the Donkey Kong case of mm-hmm. like a Universal like 
no longer own King Kong because it's gone in the public domain. But my question was like, had they renewed, could they have renewed that at any point and they just didn't do it? Or was it, is that just from whenever it's initially established, that's how many years it's good for? You know what I mean? Right. So it, uh, there's a couple of pieces at play there. So one, you've got copyright. So okay. the copyright is going to last. If it was before 19, I've, I've got a whole flow chart for how long these things last. But generally, what we'll say, uh, life of the author plus 70 years is how long the copyright's going to last. Um, trademarks can potentially last indefinitely as long as they're renewed regularly. You know, for uh, things like Coca-Cola, you know, you can have brands last over 100 years and have a valid trademark on them. But when you start adding uh, entertainment and film, there's a long history for what they call options. So that rights might exist, but they might revert back to different owners. Uh, studios, publishers, film studios especially, they'll buy an option, which means that they own the rights to make a thing for a certain period of time. They might buy the right to make a sequel to a movie or a game for 10 years. No one else can make it. And if they don't make one, then those rights might revert uh, back to someone else. And you can see this at play with the Amazing Spider-Man series of films. Okay. Sony had bought yeah. the rights to Spider-Man, and then if they weren't, if they hadn't made a movie uh, after so many years uh, after Spider-Man 3, the rights would revert back to Marvel. Mm. They didn't want to lose the rights, so they made the Amazing Spider-Man series as a placeholder to hang on to the rights until they figured out what they were doing uh, partnership with Disney and Marvel. Mm. It was the same thing with, like, uh, with like Punisher and Ghost Rider, where or, well, and like uh, Daredevil, was that like with X Men too? So they couldn't be in the. Well, yeah, X Men is technically was owned by Fox, but I think Disney owns Fox now. But, yeah. but like, yeah, no, with they the... could be in the other Marvel movies because of being owned by Fox. Yeah, but I mean that did happen with Daredevil, where they didn't make another Daredevil movie, so Daredevil went back to Fox and, or went back to Marvel, and so did uh, Ghost Rider and Punisher, I believe, like because they mm-hmm. didn't make as much. Um, I want I want to read a question from the from the listeners here real quick. Uh, friend of the show, also a previous guest member, um, Nate Lockhart, wants to know what are some of the weirder laws and or loopholes you've come across while providing legal services for Nintendo games or for video games. If you can say them, I don't know weirder laws and loopholes. <laughs> I'm sure um, loopholes you might not be able to say, but that's a good one. So the laws themselves aren't so unique, but the application of the games in particular can get very weird. Uh, and the Fortnite dance in particular is one of them because that's something they like the legal system never thought of that. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they never considered like, could you copyright a dance? Then can you copyright a dance that's been digitized and put in a new game? Do you have to give credit? One of the weirder things I think was there's a lot of, Proposed legislation related to Pokemon Go that ruffled a lot of people's feathers. So I'm I'm sure being a Nintendo podcast, a lot of your a lot of your listeners are probably very familiar with Pokemon Go. But it had a lot of folks playing this game out in public and walking through parks and uh, and private property in a lot of places. Uh, and here in Chicago, there were a lot of drops up on the north side in Rogers Park, uh, particularly near. Loyola Beach and up that area they have a kind of dune restoration project they've roped off a lot of areas on this beach to try and restore some of these classic dunes prairie that were there and of course what happened with Pokemon Go was a lot of people were running through the tall grass trying to catch Pidgeys and you know their random Pokemon so the neighborhood uh, 
wrote to the city and tried to have a Pokemon Go specific piece of legislation come out where they wanted to send a letter to Niantic and say to them, we want the right to opt out of your game and not have any Pokemon spawn in our neighborhood or on our front yard uh, because this is a restricted area or private property. And if you don't comply or if you don't agree, we reserve the right to charge you $100 a day uh, for any infraction. Well, and I wow. that law actually went through. But if it had, you can imagine the, the mm-hmm. precedent being set that all across the world, people could charge $100 a day if Niantic didn't immediately respond to their takedown request for their property. Mm. Like, can you imagine every citizen in America saying $100 a day until you pull me? Like, Niantic doesn't have the manpower to do that. Yeah, yeah. So do right. you think there is a settlement that just kind of kept it off the books, so to speak? Uh, I think Chicago, after talking to a couple attorneys who worked in games, myself included, and some just general property attorneys, were like, we're not going to put that on the books because that's asinine. I mean, so I do wonder, like, so have they had any rules like that imposed for, like, national parks and, like, stuff like that? Like, is there some sort of, like, uh, protected land sort of thing that gives Uh, it? Always, but it doesn't have to be a specific video game-related law. Mm. You know, when when a fence is good enough to solve your problem, you don't necessarily need to get people for it. Uh, But where it got more interesting... It was targeting a specific game. That's why it was kind of asinine. It was interesting because it was a specific game, but in addition to the trespassing uh, things that were coming up, you know, cities couldn't do much about the trespassing aside from, you know, put up a fence or close your gate. You know, that trespassing is fairly easy to save. But where it was getting interesting was particular Pokemon were dropping in certain areas that were offending people in interesting ways. <laughs> so I'm not sure exactly where it was, but there was a Holocaust museum that was getting... Oh, a yeah. very high proportion of ghosts getting dropped on it. Oh yeah, that's that's not really yeah that well, that's yeah, uh, that, yeah. like a poor taste thing. I don't know if yeah, that's yeah. suing somebody. Yeah. It's not nice. Um, so there there didn't need to be a law for that one. Twitter was enough to get Niantic to change yeah. its tune on that. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, it's a strange thing to think that Niantic could be sued for that because essentially what they're doing is they're inviting somebody to go somewhere. I could invite you guys to go go to the dunes and walk on the dunes or whatever mm-hmm. but does that mean that that you own it now no. i should be sued <laughs> uh, or i should be sued because i invited you guys to do something you chose to go there yeah 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 right yeah. and that was the question that was being asked uh another facility was out in the out in batavia there's a national laboratory called fermilab and it's a government-run facility where they have a giant atom smasher they do a lot of scientific experiments out there and a lot of it is kind of open park area, but quite a bit of it is still off limits to uh, visitors and civilians. And they were, Niantic had spawned a lot of rare, at the time, rare electric type Pokemon around. <laughs> yeah. So they had random, you know, people jumping fences trying to get into government controlled restricted <laughs> areas. <laughs> Where it was That's potentially well, dangerous for them to be in like the proximity of these experiments and shit. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's not a good time to, uh, it's not a good idea to be walking around an Atom Smasher unsupervised. <laughs> yeah, I know they say that, that on the app it says, like, watch out for traffic and all that, but also, you know, watch, watch out for... <laughs> Atom uh, Smashers, too. Watch Adam out Smashers. for Atom Smashers, especially if your name's Adam. It'd be, <laughs> it'd be funny if they sent you to, like, Area, if they could find Area 51 and looking for alien Pokemon, if they're in there. I don't know all of them. Maybe there's something in there like that. No, that's... They're uh, going to implement that. That's a new feature. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's 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 super cool, man. Um is there anything uh do you want to do you want to talk about the uh independent game developers thing? Is is there any uh, events that you have coming up that you want to you want to talk about here on this show? Well, absolutely. Uh, so we run a lot of cool events around Chicago and some things that we have coming up uh for folks involved in the game industry is we're going to be having an event over at Columbia uh, towards the end of March, or uh, sorry, towards the end of February, and we're going to help all the game developer students in the city who are going to the game developers conferences in San Francisco kind of prepare for what it's like to meet with cool. potential employers and studio executives. So mm. we're going to do like a resume workshop and give some wow. talks who have been there and kind of say, if you want to work in games and you're going to this conference, here's how you do it without mm. messing up and you know pissing people off. Way to look out for your like local cohorts. That's awesome. Yeah. We're trying. Uh, something we're always trying to do is just make it easy for people to get involved in the game industry, whether that's taking them on tours of local studios or bringing you know cool video game celebrities in to talk about what it was like in the 80s mm-hmm. or the 90s. Um, we're always trying to just get people involved and make it a little bit easier to, to find a job and find a family. Very nice. Yeah, if you... Uh... I don't know. We'll, we'll, maybe when we're not recording, if you if you know of anything of, for for us, uh, let us know. <laughs> as far as uh, trying to find people to talk to and all that. Sure. Is there is there anything else that you want to say? Uh, we're going kind of long on the episode, but is there anything else you want to say about like video game luring or uh, or like the um, independent uh, would, game development maybe, or anything you want to tell? Maybe uh, you've got some sort of like law advice for someone who's just getting involved in making a game, like. Do you have any sort of like beginner advice for once you like have an idea or whatever? Like, what do you do like legally to get yourself set for the future? Sure. How do you how do you be careful? Um, so if you're making games and you're thinking about making a studio or make you know selling a game or having a Kickstarter, uh, being independent is fantastic. But part of being a successful independent is knowing when you have to ask for help. So if you're going to be making a game on your own, you probably want to talk to an accountant, you probably want to talk to someone in marketing, and you probably want to talk to someone in law. Uh, And they're the ones who are going to make sure that you make something cool and that you stay out of trouble long enough to enjoy the profit you make off of the cool thing you do. So if you're just getting started and you have questions about that, reach out to people in the know. Uh, And IGDA is a great place to reach out to that if I can't help you Personally, with what you're looking at, I can definitely introduce you to people who work in marketing, publishing, or have any other, uh, you know, resources for you. And there's some great books out there as well. Um, in particular, the Legal Guide to Video Game Development is a fantastic uh, kind of primer for getting into video games and knowing some of the legal issues you're going to encounter. Hmm. Yeah, and it's it's probably also good to let them know, like just do research on whatever idea they have and make sure nobody else has that idea or make, you know, this at the beginning, I would think like if you're making something, just make sure. Yeah. Like you said, being careful. Yeah. Uh, One of the most common questions. (laughs) You may never know. Yeah. Can I make a sequel to Mario? You know, I've got a great idea for a spinoff in the Castlevania series. I want to make an HD reboot of star Wars shadows of the empire. Mm. Don't do that. You know, make your own, <laughs> make something new, and try to make something different. You know, kind yeah. of re- read the white the writing on the wall and see what has been selling well and what the market is flooded with. You know, mm. we don't necessarily need any more side-scrolling platformers or eight-bit Castlevanias. Mm. You know, try to yeah. try to do something new and fresh. Yeah, no more Metroidvanias. I'm not. I don't mean that. There should still be there <laughs> enough turn-based strategy <laughs> games. <laughs> Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, definitely. Do people actually say that to you? Like that they they think they can make sequels to stuff uh 
that's already that's owned by Nintendo or by big corporations. I called this last week, and someone talked to my ear off for an hour about wanting to call Sega because they had a great idea for a sequel that <laughs> you know they're not doing anything with anymore, and that they uh, you know they wouldn't mind if I made a sequel, right? You know? <laughs> Thank goodness they called you first. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe you day. didn't alter their path necessarily, but hmm. at least they they took the right step in talking to the law. Yeah, can, can you uh, can you call uh, Nintendo for me? I need to talk to them about Metroid Prime Four. I mean, you know them, right? <laughs> yeah, since you're a lawyer. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> nice. Okay. Well, do uh, you do you have like? I'm sorry, I keep asking extra questions, but do you find that like if you're wanting to get a hold of like a major publisher or anything, like you can get through quicker since you're a lawyer? Like if you need to talk to someone, it can be done. They definitely uh, pay attention to my emails. I use lots of capital letters and red ink, so they definitely read. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure you know, like, so, I'm sure you know what part of the company to reach out to as well, right? I mean, that's probably the most important part, like where you would go to to get. I mean, you're not reaching directly out to like Miyamoto or like uh, any, you know, anything like that. You probably have a way to, you know, right. you, if you like know who to talk else, to. You have to go through the proper channels, and you know, a big part of being taken seriously is acting seriously. You know, mm, having your shit right. together and knowing what you're doing is a big part of it. So, yeah, and you have the credentials to back that up as well. You know, nobody wants to talk to the guy who's like, I got a great idea for a sequel to Kirby. (laughs) If you build an amazing game and you, you know, have it in the can and you have your team lined up and you, you know, send a demo copy of it to Nintendo and say, here's a great game that I made. We could make it look like Kirby. What do you think? Yeah. Make them an offer they can't refuse. They might listen to that. But if you come to them and are like, I've got an idea where Kirby's purple. (laughs) Right. Well, I mean, I would think... uh... A lot, of, I mean, a lot of people do that where they're like, "Well, I had this idea for the sequel to Castlevania, but they're just going to make it, just call it something else, <laughs> you know, and not call it Castlevania." Which would I, what I think would you do? With, you would do with that. That's kind of like what we got with like Curse of the Moon, right? Yeah, Bloodstain. Yeah. You're saying so. Just, just take it and make it a different thing. Make it different enough to where they can't sue you, right? And I figured that would you would be involved with that for sure. It's always good to make something new and fresh. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, thank you, thank you very much for being on the show, Ross, and. uh and I'll I'll put all of your information on the um, details for the episode so everybody can find your website and uh, and all that type of thing so everybody can check you out. And uh, thanks, yeah, thanks for being on and, and telling us. It's like we could talk for a long time about this, and uh, I'm sure we'll have you on yeah, again I'm in very, the future to talk about more. Yeah. No, thanks for having me. Happy to come on anytime and answer all your questions. All right, cool, man. Um, well. Uh, we can uh, you can find us at nintendomainpodcast.com. Uh, we have a YouTube uh, youtube.com slash nintendomainpodcast, or you can find us at twitch.tv slash nintendomainpodcast as well. Uh, Jeremy and I are on Twitter uh, at nintendo underscore and at jmaxstack. And uh, let me know, uh, put send me your Twitter as well, Ross, and I'll put it in the tweet when I once I finish editing this tomorrow. So I'll, I'll tag you in it and all that so you so you can find it and. Um, yeah, and we've been your hosts. I'm Trey Johnson. Jerry Mikowski. John Litter. And Ross Herzman. Thanks for listening to us. Uh, make sure and check us out next week. See ya. See ya. Later.
Super Mario RPG, Sonic the Hedgehog, Donkey Kong 3, Adventures of Lolo 1 and 2, King's Knight, Dig Dug, Juman Fu, Harvest Moon. You write this song? League Puzzle Pokemon, Toe Jam and Earl in Panic on Funkotron. Castlevania, Fatal Fury, Ninja, Chachumon, Rook, Comet, Razor, Blazing, Lasers, Bases, Loaded, Mega, Turukon, Cybernator, Rolling Thunder, Dynastic Hero, Bubble, Bobble, Double, Triple, Double, Dragon, F-Zero. I get it, you memorized the song. F-Zero X and Donkey Kong Jr. Math, Ninja Gaiden 1, Ninja Gaiden 2, Ninja Gaiden 3, Cruising USA. Ah!